This thing is genuinely like weightier than my ambitions in life. Um. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to Stat Check. This is episode 42. Winnis? Winnis? Winnis. Try, try to actually make the, the punctuation work there, I guess. Uh, I am joined, as always, by Jeremy, Anthony, and Dennis. Well, almost always, but most of the time. Like 95% of the time. Sometimes Frequently. they're not. Frequently. Periodically. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah. I think we'll start with people who are not in us to talk about weekends before we go into the show, since I feel like we're going to be featuring in us quite heavily this week from a talking perspective. So, Anthony, how was your weekend? Uh, fucking uneventful by the standards of the group, goddammit. Uh, <laughs> except for the part on Thursday where I jokingly was like, I'll fly to Manchester if Anna approves it, then someone's paid for it. And then Anna approved it, but no one paid for it. So thankfully I got to stay in the States and not endure a whole bunch of time zone age and flight fuckery at the one yard line. So that was pretty good. Uh, things are going to be pretty uneventful for me for the most with Netherlands and Northern Ireland, I think, is going now. And then that is, like, the end of the USA external scrim process for a little bit until we, uh, or probably even after we get 10th rules, because at that point, it's secrets time. And since the Euros won't invite us to any of their fun tournaments, fuck them. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. Mostly just doing Team USA stuff, not really doing anything else. I'm coaching, doing chill-at-home stuff. I'm literally not playing a tournament until June, so it's just like, all right, just hanging out <laughs> until we get KC. I mean, that sounds pretty nice, actually, given that we're kind of in... We definitely slowed it down a lot. Yeah, the tournament scene has kind of started to hit the ebb kind of part of the death knell a little, it feels like. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I definitely was feeling some of the, like, late edition, like, chilling out. It's definitely showed in coaching, that's for sure. The, uh, the rate of, like helping folks out has definitely slowed down a fair bit. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, that's been a things have been good. How about you, Jeremy? How was your weekend? It was quiet, which is nice cuz the last few weekends have been very very hectic. Um, yeah, no, this weekend was nice and chill. I mostly did cleaning actually, which was very boring. Um the most exciting part of the weekend was Monday when I watched Innis go through go through his last three rounds on stream. Wow, that was he, so fucking stressful. And he practically gave me a fucking heart attack in that last round yeah. by taking shock tactics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was. Uh, that is. I was like at the event, stressed while I was watching. Yeah. I was like the person playing, stressed watching. I was game. coach player needs an eleven, stressed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, needs an 11 is the worst. Because it's not like get points, but it's not yeah. like push, so it's pretty free and he'll get home a bunch, but you're not sure how many. Needs an 11 is like, no! Exactly. Win. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that, that was my weekend. What about yourself, Nathan? It was also a quiet weekend. I didn't have any events, so I was just hobbying all weekend instead. So I have like two tournaments essentially before the end of the edition, so I have one 
at the end of May, which is just an RTT, and then I'm trying to figure out the last one still. We're going to see what happens. Stuff may happen. Who knows? Maybe I'll fly to Canada. I don't know. It's it's all a mystery. Well, None of it. To Canada, well, that would be a post tenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah but... your last option for ninth is this weekend. Not doing that though, unfortunately. I invited Anthony, but he said he didn't want to come. Oh, Listen, dang, Anthony! I, what do you want me to do? I can only travel so much. <laughs> I feel like that's a lie. You should just travel all the time. You should be like <laughs> Joe from War Games Live, but playing 40k while working remote from a van. Uh, see, there's only a couple problems with that. One is that, unfortunately, Anna's job is not remote. Two, I don't know if you know this, but 40k doesn't actually pay that well, uh, for the, the doing good part. You'd, I'd have to mm. rally up some form of Patreon fan base that's like, yeah, go play events that we can't watch or something. It'd be really strange. True. <laughs> yeah, it's... Just got a GoPro on your forehead. Dude. <laughs> real estate, like, so. we should, that's what we should do for one event is just create the Anthony stream and stream you on. Oh God. On our YouTube channel from a they GoPro. They did that for um one of the Magic Pro Tours. Or they did like GP Reed Dirk, who's like one of their really good top players. They just every single game was his was his game. And they were just like, we're just gonna watch this guy's tournament. And it was like for like what you would call like a I suppose you would call like a major level event as opposed to like a super major. <laughs> um, it was pretty cool. People seem to respond. Yeah, to I would. Uh, go, Anthony, yeah, I would it. absolutely get it demonetized like immediately too. That's the other side of the <laughs> yeah, problem. Yeah, I guess I also started playing my first team event over TTS with a group of people from the Discord. So we're playing against three European teams essentially, which is interesting. Eight eight person teams, and I'm playing guard in that which is funny because I'm playing like Iron Hands for practice, so it's a little different. That's about it. That's what's going on. I have two games this week for that. Did you get to experience the true joy of you being like, all right, any matchup except this one? And then you tapped them bet, here you go. That one on the board you told me not to put on. <laughs> I definitely got some of my pairings and was like, I did put this in as a positive, but I didn't know that you were going to actually test that positive out all the way. <laughs> oh my god, what? What do you mean? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I put down like the best of my abilities, my understandings of matchups, and I definitely got put into some good matchups where I was like, oh, now I need to actually think about 100% of how I will win on this table. Instead of in theory, I also definitely my first suggestion would be to not pick shock tactics. Yeah. Well, I can't pick shock tactics as an Astro Militarum player, but I would just oh, for you. Oh, okay. No, I'm playing guard in the TTS thing, but I'm practicing Iron. Okay, Hands you should play flexible command, boots on the ground, and yeah, decks. that's basically probably my a lot. I have thousand suns paired into me for one round, Necrons for another one, and uh, I think it's Chaos Demons Big Boys for a third one. Chris, he might. His opponents. Those are fine, but, except for Necrons. The Necrons is double Catan. So I'm just going to plop like a unit of Casterkin near Finial and like watch two yeah. Catan explode. Yeah. And remember, amuse myself endlessly. Yeah. Remember that the Mortal Wounds are applied at the end. So if you kill that cunt on the first set of bullets, the Mortal Wounds can just go into the other one. Yep. Got to track it. Got to keep an eye on it, basically. Also, have to try not to get. Uh, Teleport insertion guide. Can't remember his name yes. anymore. Got to try not to get hex marked, which is another thing to try. Yeah. Other than that, I love that. It guy. sounds like it's going to be fun. I get to play against some people in a team format that I've never tried before. 
Chris didn't pair me into any world eaters players, which is kind of what I didn't want. I was like, please don't do this to me. This is the only thing I don't want to play into. I mean, it's a waste of guard, but it's not now. No, but I really just don't want to, because if I, if you get that, don't get first turn and you deploy like slightly improperly, you can just get like, yeah, you can get like pasted, but just... turboed off the board. Just the real question is, do you have 15 rattlings in your list? No. Stop doing that. It's I have because... two, two, two units of three scout sentinels is my <laughs> forward. You put them on the line for your opponents. So you can slingshot off you. If you play <laughs> no, no. The, the funny thing to do is to win the go first roll off and win the redeployment roll off. Because in the WTC, that final phase is not player going first, go first. It's you roll off and the player who wins the roll off gets to choose who does it first. So you as the guard player with 15 rattlings across the, across the board... Tell the world leader player, do your pregame. You can't oh, move you don't past this going anywhere. And then I'm gonna no. and then I'm gonna pull I my right. The joy back. of an Eldar player telling me they were gonna roll their fate dice as their second thing in that instance. <laughs> I love that example. <laughs> I mean, I was just gonna put two units of three scout sentinels there and then redeploy them if I needed to. That was the plan. Yeah, it's like so he like redeployed to block me, then I moved some bikes, and he went, Okay, I'm gonna roll fate dice now, and you can move another squad of bikes, then I'll do my shroud on it. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, it's, actually, it's actually a... in the WTC FAQ as an yeah, as an example, it's so dumb. Slap. You deserve a Jeremy, slap does it's funny. Like I understand that it's allowed. You just don't have to like Peror has a good question in chat that's actually just an FAQ thing that I don't know has about. The hex market theory interception been FAQ to work with movement phase based reinforcements. I honestly don't know, but I would probably play it rules as intended, which is it works. Every Necron player does it, so I assume it probably doesn't work. <laughs> it's like veiling that's a monolith. Yanari, wrong oh. faction. Yeah, or veiling a monolith, or you know, building your <laughs> like test wreck vault. The funny thing to do in pregame is open. The funny thing to do in pregame is choose the custodes orc mortalis target. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna redeploy? No, that's that's nah. the unit I want to kill. Nah, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> do your redeploy, then I'll do mine. I actually love that one. That's great. That's the Trixie business I, I signed up for when I joined this. That's or cool. Tau. Are you Monkar or Kayun? Hmm? They picked that pregame. Oh uh, yeah. It's after. Yeah, otherwise, how would they be able to do it? Damn. I thought actually they had to pick it during your turn too when they realized what they want. But all right, all right, all right. We got to get to the highlight, the uh the, the no, headliner no, of our fine. episode this week, which is People is Winnis Wilson it's talking cool. about how his weekend went, and then we can deep dive it later. Cool. So I actually had a really uneventful weekend. My Monday, however, ah, I see. <laughs> Yeah, how was that hey, your Sunday? Was um, I am playing a kid, beating up some crew, just chilling on the weekend. <laughs> well, no, they uh, to, to be fair, my uh, my game my game path was um, six fairly comfortable games, a child, then Brian and David Gaylord. So <laughs> not a nice know, way to refer to Nas. That's not fair. a nice way to refer to Nas at all. <laughs> um, Deep love Nas. So I'll, I'll go into it a little bit. So I was at Warhammer Fest this weekend, uh, as some people might have gathered from the everything about everything right now. Um, it's been nice. It's been a good time. Um, so I took Iron Hands Dad to the tournament. Um, it was a three-day, 368-player tournament, by my memory, on the GW Open Terrain. It's like 360, 370. I, I've been saying 370 because it makes me feel better. <laughs> um, but I would like to round up to 400 because that feels even better. Do it. Just round um, but, up. Know, it's like, fine. Like, Nobody will check. It was like big half a thousand people um, <laughs> same order of magnitude yep. right 
Um, so I think Iron has that. Uh, it was on the GW terrain. So we played day one on layout three, which is a uh, hell terrain for hell people, which was amazing for me. Um, I really enjoyed the game I played against Yanari where they could stand on um, one objective or part of the board, which was that objective. It wasn't in line of sight of my army. Um, that was great. I really, really liked that. Was that um, a whole two mission by any chance? It was abandoned sanctuary, so they couldn't oh, even try to run me. Rude. <laughs> Just rude. Um, so yeah, layout, layout 3 is interesting. It's really strange terrain. Um, so my day 1, I, I'm not going to go through games just now. We'll do that in a different layer. Uh, day 2 and day 3 were on the GW layout 2 terrain, which you'll probably remember from being the normal one. The one that me and Anthony spoke about in that episode before I came to America for like 20 minutes. Um, where it's basically just like two ruins in each half of the board and you stare at each other because nobody can move without dying. Um, and the middle objective is a burning hellscape of crisis suits jump 18 at you. Or, you know, like, you just die. You, you don't, go, don't go to the middle on GWR 3. It's, it's, it's a bad place. Um, where I so played six more games there. And I did manage to somehow, despite my best efforts, win the tournament. Just the last uh, game, bro. The Eldar game, clean piloting, everything looked good. Game three. That <laughs> Buddy, the Eldar game was so much more sketch. That, that's the most unbelievable part. The Eldar game was like four layers of Brian failing things. <laughs> the David game was completely in my control the entire Yeah, except game. for the secondary selection part where you just fucking... No, no, I was comfortable on those two. It sure. was fine. I never doubted it. We'll deep dive that we'll in a second. After. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's that. talk about stats from the weekend where I can tell you something really funny that is mostly mostly Ennis's fault. It's partially then, Ennis's fault. I'm it's giving 25% it 25% his fault. It's 25%. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to say that's most since we're rounding up in weird ways today. That's fine. <laughs> what did we become Iron Hands apologists? The weekend that I was half of Harlequin's fucking rep, it didn't count. <laughs> I I mean, we could go back retroactively. I'll just put an edit in the show notes that says this is partially Anthony's fault, I guess. So, <laughs> like, I'll go back and do that. I'll just go back and do it. Honestly, I think we could just like blame most things as being Anthony's fault. I think the Iron Hands thing is Anthony's fault as well. They didn't raise the money to make me play Terranids. Honestly, I think who... <laughs> We'll raise hands. Who, by count of hands, says that everything is just Anthony's fault now? This works like Alpine. <laughs> Three out of four people. Oh, Anthony even raised his hand. Even his Anthony blames himself. <laughs> All right, so we've voted Anthony is just to blame. Good job, everybody. That's democracy at work. All right, now for stats, because I know that's actually why 90% of people watch us, not for us and our nonsense, right? I don't know. Nathan Reed's spreadsheet definitely is popular. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ignore the White Scar stuff at the top and the Death Watch stuff at the top because it's less than 10 people. You Fine, Anthony. The what? <laughs> White oh, Scars. Yeah. The White... who? <laughs> White Scars had three players for a 0.4% representation and they had a 68% win rate. Fuck 68. yeah. 68.8. Go on, Raph Harbinson. Um, but nobody top four or top ten, so they have a zero for overrip despite their win rate. Um, Failures. Death Watch had. It turns out when there's only four people out of 380 at a tournament that can have an overrip, it's not the best no. representation. Death Watch had seven players or one percent of the meta for the weekend and had a sixty percent win rate. Zero event wins, zero top fours, and zero top tens for a zero well, overrip again. They came for second. To, um, didn't they come second at Warhammer Fest? I seem to recall that being on oh, you're right. That wasn't BCP. But unlike other people, we do check all your lists to make sure that they're accurate. 
Um, well, we is a very loose term. Jeremy checks all. Jeremy those. checks it. <laughs> that that yeah. side of the stream. Jeremy checks. checks for us to make sure that we've not lost our minds on a regular basis. Uh, and then the first and best performing faction of the weekend was Iron Hands. Disputably, win rate's not the best statistic for this, but we'll talk about it later. Iron Hands had 26 players, a 3.9% meta representation, a 59% win rate, one event win, four top fours, seven top tens, and a 3.66 over rep ratio, which is an actually wild over rep ratio. That's that's entering uh, Harlequin's Void Weaver pre nerf like range for over rep ratio on a weekly basis. How many how many events were there this weekend? Do we have a I'll let Jeremy check it. There were seven events this weekend. And I will say right now, your event made up over half the players and something like 60% of the games this weekend. Warhammer Fest by far sucked up like all the games from the weekend. Warhammer Fest was like LVO in this case, where it's just a data point that makes up big chunk. Yeah. So we had it with 28 tall four spots, of which Iron Hands made up. Four. Roughly sixteen percent. Yeah. Gene the Steeler Colt are the second best faction with more than ten players. Anthony's just gonna slowly combust in the quarter. Um, they had. It's a good time to play my army. Fourteen players, two point one percent meta representation, also a fifty nine percent win rate, but only one top ten. So they had an overrep of zero for the weekend. So that win rate because Malak, Porter, and Chewy all just left after they lost the game. Stop. They're just like, nah, we're, we're good. They all had an internal competition for who could do the best with them as well. <laughs> who won it? Chewie was the only one with the big top mm-hmm. 16. That makes so. sense, and then World Eaters are in a third of real represented factions with 31 players, a 4.6% meta representation, a 56.5% win rate. They actually won an event this weekend. They got a top four and three top tens. So they have a 0.77 over rep. Where, Perfectly where did they win? And you got to Boris for winning best overall at Warhammer Fest with them as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, they won best overall at Warhammer Fest. Boris, uh, I can never pronounce the last name, Mishev. Yeah. He sent me a very nice message thanking me for assisting him in his world leader's progress. Hell yeah. Um, Amazing. But uh, and I'll send him the screenshots of you describing how mad his play made you. And then we can <laughs> I mean, that play where he didn't tag the Catan made me irate, but it was okay. He won anyway. Um, but. Where was the event that World Eaters won? Uh, it was Winter Warfest in Australia. Okay. Uh-huh. It wasn't in England, because I was going to make a joke about World Eaters winning events, so long as all the good players in the country are somewhere else, but it didn't work. So <laughs> never mind. Actually, was it in West Australia? Because then it That's indoors. a really good question. Let's find out. <laughs> The one thing is that it's always interesting to look at the distribution. No, because Hackett's on Hackett's away at the moment as well. So it was in East Australia. It doesn't matter. Well, no, because <laughs> some of them they really don't play singles right now. Everyone's getting ready for a, uh, the big team tournament. It was in it was in Queensland. Ah, okay. fuck! Ruined my joke. God yeah, damn it. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have Space Wolves. Anyway, come Space in. Wolves. Ew. 26 players, 3.9% meta representation, a 56.5. There's a lot of 56.5s. Well, two. There's a lot of 55. It's the same representation as Iron Hands. One top four, three top tens, and a 0.92 over rep. So balanced for Space Wolves, I guess. Uh, That's exactly how I would describe it. Yeah, it definitely feels that way as their eighth unit that's fully loaded with Thunder Hammers hits you 40 times. You're like, what the fuck? And then just for funsies, there are a couple armies that 
maybe are a little bit surprising. Uh, Adeptus Mechanicus is actually next in the list with 10 players, so just barely counting. 55.5% uh, win rate, an event win, a top four, and a top 10 for a two... Well, those are all basically the same person. A 2.38 over-rep ratio because there are so few of them playing. So, you know, fun times to be an AdMech player. If just one of you wins, you get an awesome over-rep ratio. Was it Alex? I actually don't know who it was. Who was it, Jeremy? Do you know? Do you remember? Yeah, you gotta look. Give me a second. Meanwhile, while Jeremy looks up that, uh, Chaos Demons, 53 players, 7.9% meta representation, a 54% win rate, and then they took home two of the events from the weekend. Three top fours, seven top tens, and a 1.35 for overrubs. So Chaos Demons still putting in plenty of work. Good job, TJ. Woo! Yep. And hey, Doc. Oh, hey, one too. Nice. Well... He did well at Marvel Fest. Gotcha. <laughs> and then at the bottom... He got most ba most battle points, I think. Uh, of somebody who didn't win over the war. Chicago run. Sorry, I got you hung over twice, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> at the very bottom, we have... Uh, for factions with enough players to actually matter. Sorry, Crimson Fist and Imperial Fist players with your <laughs> terrible win rates and one in four players. Uh, Tyranids had 27 players, 4% meta representation, and a 40% win rate but they did take home an event and they got a top four and two top 10. So they had a 0 0.88 meta. What a confusing <laughs> stat line. that is. <laughs> Win rates garbage. The reps pretty good. They won. An event. The <laughs> They're at the very bottom from win rate perspective. They are the worst performing faction from a win rate, win rate perspective, but they managed to win an event. So they did. Okay. All right. Rounding out the bottom five, oh, our it. sisters at a 40.5% win rate but they top forward in events so they had a 1.59 for over rep ultramarines were next at a 40.8 although i don't think they're going to stay this low for much longer based on that gilliman preview <laughs> although we won't also won't have ultramarines to track anymore probably true uh chaos knights at a 2.7 percent meta rep a 43.4 and a zero for over rep because they didn't place and then Sad. Death Guard, 20 players for the weekend, 3% meta representation, a 44.9, one top four, two top ten, so they got a 1.19 for overrep. Go, Rob. So a lot of the factions in the bottom third actually still managed to get top four placements, which is kind of neat to see, but yeah. other the than that, there's like... A decent meta, the gameplay suggests something else. It's just yeah. how it is right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's just for the week. So there's like obviously some caveats to using the data to do this kind of like balance decisions about how things are balanced. But honestly, it doesn't look all that bad at the moment. Although we do have just some factions just doing weird and wild nonsense at the top. For sure. But if you look at the at the metadata dashboard and look at the state of the game for the Q2 data slate, which at the moment is, I think, 18 events. Yes. Um, so still fairly small, but that's about 1,400 players, I think, all told. It doesn't look terrible. It doesn't. I mean, there's some stuff hidden in some of those average oh, win rates for, for sure. like Iron Hands, for example, because Iron Hands have a 55% win rate, I think, on there. So just like barely at the edge of balance. What's, what's the pain stat? But Iron Master Hands. Roll into Rage, a 67% win rate in Narcs. Base oh, Iron like, Hands make up most of the week? representation. Like the largest chunk of it is Iron Hands, and it's a 47% win rate. Season? 
So it's like being offset hardcore by the people who are still dragging out normal iron hands instead of successors. What uh what was the successor like just last week out of curiosity? Uh, is that a thing we have? Yep. We pro yeah, we have it. Jeremy yeah. will pull it up while I continue to expose the nonsense that's going on. Like white scars are at a fifty six percent win rate for the year. Uh, so just Master Artisans World Wonder of Rage last weekend was 60%. Oh, even with a 9-0 in there. That's not too bad. Yeah, Glark. Oh, that'll, that's a balance. Sorry, let me, let me double check that. Sorry, no, it's uh, 71%. Oh, oh okay. There you go. It's like 10 more percent tacked on. Thanks, thanks Jeremy. For a moment, I, I was I like, oh, the man. wrong date. <laughs> I mean, at the very top continues to be Gene Stealer Cole. Gene Stealer Colts are just sitting pretty at like they're over 60% win rate in the day of dashboard since the QT data is late. Did not want to play Colts this weekend. Not going to lie. Um, boards are kind of scuffed through the Colts. Yeah, at the bottom of it is still Crimson Fist, Imperial Fist, Sisters, Ultramarines, Salamanders, and Tyranids. And then Chaos Space Marines. Where they belong. Except Tyranids are And then, better. because I, I think this is still just going to change as population increases for games. Because you have essentially Iron Hands at the top of the 55 to 45, and at the bottom you have Death Guard. And that's just going to we're going to see it distribute a little bit more correctly over the next couple of weeks. Basically into the performance brackets that we just talked about, because eventually Iron Hands players are going to realize they should just play successors. Eventually, they're starting Instead to of this almost... weekend. I, I really don't think they will. I, I don't understand. How, no, but... I actually disagree, because this weekend there was actually an equal number of Iron Hands and Iron Hands successor players. So they finally are starting to figure it out. Oh, I know. I know. And after your success this weekend, some more will figure it out. So in like yeah, two weeks, we'll sure. see another bump. Singles are about to fucking suck for the next couple of weeks. And this is when it's going to be everywhere. I am so glad. Guys, spend five minutes. Go read the repulsor data sheet. Figure out what it does. You're going to be getting shot by a lot of them in singles. For the next they have so many out. guns. They really do. I, I honestly was putting one together and I was like, why are there so many guns? Where, why are there five different missile launcher options to slap on this turret? It's just every single surface that has room has a gun on it. It is, I just put all of them on and I'm like, it has these ones. <laughs> it's fair, you could just do that. Like, the only thing I was considering even magnetizing was just the LAS cannons on front because I was like, I guess somebody might complain that that LAS cannon looks like a heavy bolter, but otherwise, nobody's gonna know an Icarus launcher from a crack storm grenade launcher at any point in their life. I will. You, you don't even know. You don't even know. Which one's the crack storm grenade launcher, NS? The crack storm's the one that's like the fucking three in a row. It's a three yep. by one. The frag storm is the six by three. Is the three damn it, three. he does know. Shit. <laughs> Fine. Advanced nerdism, right? It's fair... Innes has probably looked at more repulsors than I have in my entire life. Can Damascus steal? Uh, I have played a tournament game with five of them and against there five of them. We get in trouble if our Alpine team name is Damascus Steel or Spectrum Warriors. I think Damascus Steel will be okay. I don't think anybody could possibly take umbrage with that unless they knew what we were Isn't doing. Isn't Spectrum show, Warriors a me, video so game? One. Yeah, exactly. See? Oh, okay. I'm no, we've already confused. agreed that you're, you're stud check next year. Stud check and speedos. You guys did this to yourselves. Yes. That's good. And Disflux, we did just finish the stats, unfortunately. We're talking about... <laughs> back on the YouTube video. We're talking about how um, nobody knows any weapons on any models ever. Like, somebody was talking to me about Ravener chest weapons. I'm like, nobody's going to know, bud. 
they all it's just it's a chest nobody even knows which one of the two chest pieces ha is which weapon they have chest in his, weapons in his, they do they that's where you're supposed to put their ranged weapons is in their chest yeah or what you could do is you could use those of this metal ones to just give them the range you could also the do that like yes. you could use the old metal ones instead yeah, they're so much bigger by the way definitely don't do that <laughs> they're also like very strange looking the old metal snake ones yeah Luke McCray. yeah they look awful i love them so all much. right is there anything else we want to touch on from stats this weekend i think we basically covered it the only thing i didn't talk about was drukari getting a 2.98 for over rep ratio but that's because they got two top fours and have a 2.4 percent meta representation oh okay sure <laughs> it's like hyper inflated it's not for any other reason other than that. I guess for that same reason, there's a 3.97 for Salamanders because they had six players. And they and won an won, event. And they won an event. <laughs> fucking so, Pacific Northwest boys let them win an event with Firstborn Salamanders. God damn it, boys. <laughs> I, I so here. Salamanders had a higher overrep ratio than Iron Hands just because of that, basically. Because there were six of them. We're not even that good, guys. Just chill out. <laughs> All right, so let's. I guess we can transition into the bulk of the content for this week, is which is just having Winnis Wilson talk about his winnings. No, 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 no. What? One goddamn second. That fucking launch box. Oh. Oh yeah, it's amazing. We could talk about that first. Let's talk about tenth edition launch box first. Just for like two minutes. We could talk. So I can say how much I goddamn love Terry. Yeah, I love every model in that box. They're cool. I it made me upset that the screamer killer looks as cool as it does because I know in my heart of hearts, having done this once already, that it's gonna be shit. So like, you're gonna get gonna, building block. It's gonna break my fucking heart that that thing looks that cool and fucking blows. And I'm gonna get on the table and be like, come on! And it's just gonna suck. And I'm gonna be really sad the whole time i'm gonna have to figure out how to convert them to look different to each other that's gonna be the first fun thing. yeah uh, that's always the fun thing with a launch box. model is not gonna be great yeah. yeah i do i i like every model on that thing i think the neuro tyrant has really grown on me as well with its weird neuro is my favorite weird nonsense <laughs> it's like neuro throw neuro tyrant and then the terminator captain mm. is like the top two for me and then the turn of the winged prime is like the winged prime is super sweet Hopefully the Winged Prime's data sheet is actually worth taking because he I does hope... look super awesome. Yeah, it's just not going to be. I, I, I just I don't care what he gives. I hope he gives just no buff aura and fucks. Like he goes in a squad <laughs> and he just fucking owns. That's all he does. He's like Sergeant Plus and he costs an HQ slot. And that guy just fucking slams. He's got wings, but he gets attached to uh, regular Tyranid Warriors, so he gets slowed down by them the entire game. I don't even care. Sure, whatever. Does Onslaught still exist? Then we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> John's just trying to embarrass me in public because I'm just hey. gonna, like, look at these super chats a lot and be very touched oh, by this community. Also, the little Nero tyrants, like little two guys, are adorable, and I kind of really them. sad every time you perils and have to kill one. I I will imagine perils with your ranged attacks. <laughs> yeah, imagine perils with ranged attacks. Well, yeah, because you could take the you could overheat it, and then it becomes oh, whatever true. that keyword you is. You will every time. You know the neuro tyrant's overheated smite is going to be like strength eighty 
fucking 12 damage. <laughs> I hope you can join units of... Yeah, it's the only thing in the game with damage spell. It's just like... Yeah, it's just like everybody dies. The whole... Take out a blast template. Fuck that zone. It has anti-everything 2 plus and devastating wounds. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Anti-opponent 2 up. Yeah. They forget the real box has got a special character version that's the Doom of oh, Mal. I don't know. So. I hope so. Can we talk about the one... Just all of its all of its guns are actually auras instead of targeted. What what is the model you don't like, Jeremy? Because I know you're trying to get that fucking dreadnought. Oh, it looks like the, the box it. knot, but it redemptorized. Looks... Yo, real talk. I hate every marine in that box. Like, I don't think any of those marines are interesting. Part the terminators is... are great, but They're that's just because. Fine. They they kept they They're kept the targeted. regular Terminator aesthetic, like, but then upscaled them just enough that they look better next to Primaris than the current Terminators. That's I mean, the only honest, thing that they needed to change. Every 3D print I've seen for a Terminator looks better than this. Like the real issue with this box, and like part of this is team's bias that I'm just hardcore not allowed to touch Space Marines because we have Jaime on the team. So I'm just like removing myself from caring about them. But like all the models are just like men with flamer weird dreadnought thing that somehow has less guns than the melee versions like it's just like what are we doing what are these units it's space marines bro there's it's, not it's, there's only yeah. there's other things like with primaris none of this is surprising I, blade guard are awesome like blade guard were like the I one like cool guard. model that have come out in the primaris line no, no, no. Yeah, the Primaris no. Tech Marine is the best. Okay. Yeah, the Primaris cool. Tech Marine is the best, yeah. Obviously. Yeah, like, best some model. of them are cool. The, the Terminator Captain's okay. But, like, in general... He needs a like, helmet. A, a, it, it of, of course. course, suffers for comparison. The Nids mm -hmm. getting, like, six new units that all look dope is not doing them any favors. Yeah, but the but, Marine half will sell, so it doesn't matter. Sure. But I'm just saying, for me, like... That half is mad disappointing. <laughs> I I agree that like it's not as like exciting, but also it's hard because that's there's like so many good, good new units in that tier and half, like you said, the tier and half. Marines are such also the psychophage. The problem, even right? though people are kind of hating on it because it looks like somebody copied the Venom Crawler's homework. I was gonna say, but the Venom Crawlers. I still cool. love it. Like, like I still think that thing looks awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. data sheet is gonna be terrible. Because it looks. I cool. choose to believe that Vastor just like saw a psychophage. It was like, I want that. I want to. I want to. Actually, how dare you? They're going to go back and date that cunt. Don't you besmirch the name. They're going to go Venom back. Crawlers in front of me. <laughs> They're going to go retcon the Venom Crawler lore to just be that they were copying psychophages. <laughs> uh, Maybe then they'd have an interesting backstory. Yeah. yeah. The main thing to remember oh, the, the main thing to remember the Terminator players do not play even splits for your launch boxes. You are not getting fifty percent. You're not paying fifty percent because there are five marine players for every one of you. Haggle. That's true. Yeah, there are a lot more people looking to part with their tier and halves. So get your tier and halves, guys. I mean, or just wait like a month, and there'll just be infinity tier and on eBay that from people that couldn't keep their shit together and ordered like fifteen of the starter box. Yeah. Also, I mean, they're probably going to do what they did with the Indominus box just right away, I'd assume, and do a made-to-order. Or just, maybe they produced just a bajillion boxes. I mean... No, they didn't. I need three hours. They might have. Turn. They have said I, that I they have made them. more of this set than any other box before. Well, that's what good. What that means, we'll find out. But my expectation... <laughs> 
Yes, God. There were 15 lions globally, so... Yeah, but they didn't say much. that there were that many of those available. Oh, eight bound. Maybe that's why there were It was also it was meant to be a limited box. box. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that lion bear box. Yeah, the lion... The like, lion it came with special limited. art and stuff in it, guys. The single box will come out in, like, a month. Just buy that. Don't pay $200 for the lion guard box. I saw people doing that, and I was like, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know at least one person like that. Yeah, mine is Brandon. <laughs> and Ian the Bark Gods looks mine, so I didn't have that temptation. Brandon's got like a down payment worth of Necrons in his house. Oh, that's so many Necrons. <laughs> <laughs> he just he was like, I want to start Necrons, so I used a bunch of like the credit that I would pick up at random tournaments, and I kept giving him Necrons. So somewhere, like he's gonna open a closet one day and just die from Necrons. <laughs> just gonna fall over, and Trazen will be the last model that rolls out. And yeah, like, ah, if they're long enough, the rules might wrap around and they'll fade. Yeah, out. maybe. Maybe <laughs> Necrons will get sweet rules. Wouldn't that be a bitch? I hope. I hope the Necron army rule is phase out. Oh. It's just negative. <laughs> they're gonna get they're gonna get a ton of really cool, powerful data sheets, but their faction rule is gonna be phase out. Like they'll they'll burn super hard until you pick up like a third of them, and then they just are like, never mind. <laughs> All Can right. we talk about something else before we talk about Ennis? Because there is one other thing that has me extremely excited. Yes. Go for it. I got time. What is that? Ooh. Oh, oh, go away. One of the other things that GW talked about recently <laughs> in the last week that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet, and that, it, that has Anthony on edge. And I, that's why I'm bringing this up because it's <laughs> a war card. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, gross. Let me go get my mail. Yeah, I, I mean, this is, this is my Tempest War deck that has been used once. So I'm hoping <laughs> that it stays mostly the same. And that way I don't have, well, I'm going to buy the launch two or three of the launch boxes anyways. They're, but, yeah, they're in the launch box. Um, it's fine. But sure. I love that they're too. in the launch box. Um, but yeah, like who doesn't love the idea of of a tournament not choosing all of the uh cards ahead of time and you just going up walking to the table and say, All right, we're playing on Hammer and Anvil, enjoy. I'm definitely doing that. I'm definitely doing that. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna do that at the very first RTT we have where it's gonna be like, Arvin, pull out your decks, have fun. Should I um, do that for our TTS event in the Discord? You're oh, just hell yeah, draw all of your events yes, randomly. Sorry, 100%. Guys. um. <laughs> Or no, we just we do the we do the do it live oh, every round after on the show. Mission. So you I have to go watch the show yeah. to find out your mission parameters. As I <laughs> well, actually, so cards. It's 100%. I really like this, and I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent about why I really like this. One of the problems oh, that really? a lot of people had with ninth edition missions is they started to feel samey because there wasn't much change, there wasn't much iteration, there wasn't much anything since the GT Pack 2020 came out. So for three years, we've been playing more or less the same missions. Secondaries have changed, and some of the primary scoring has been tweaked and whatnot. But they've largely looked and felt very similar. This gives you more options. Now, I'm presuming that there's actually more in their deck than in the Tempest deck. But the Tempest deck alone has six different primary missions, five different deployments, and then I think a dozen mission rules that you can apply. How do I tip negative money for Nathan? I mean, you could tip me positive money and I accept bribes. Yeah. If you don't want to play a random format for the TTS event, just bribe me money. It's fine. That's how you'll make me change my mind. This is for the paying to Canada thing, I think. 
Oh, it could be so it gives that. you flexibility. It gives you opportunities to create interesting missions and create interesting scenarios without having to really reach outside and for players to expect this is what I, what could happen in an event. So as a good example, we are running one of a very early or we're assuming it's going to be an early edition of uh, early 10th edition tournament at the end of July. And we have committed to we are going to fix every single round. But we're not going to let you know what they are until after lists up. So that you have to prepare for all opportunity, all, all possibilities of being on the table. Um, mm -hmm. At the same time, I went through my Tempest deck and also realized that it's very hilarious because if they kept all of the cards in there and only tweaked them slightly, uh, there's one that that applies two mission rules instead of one. Nice. Oh yeah, I like that one. Um, and uh, one of the mission rules is no deep strike in no man's land outside on turn one. No pregame. It's abandoned sanctuaries basically. One of the other ones is reserves only come in on a three up on turn one and two. Oh. <laughs> Everyone will remember what that used to be like. <clears throat> Nobody's gonna no no drop pot armies. That's just such a shit rule. Like, <laughs> oh, your drop pod wants to come in? No. Either just I... tell me no, or let me do it. Yeah. This like maybe it comes in shit belongs in crusade. I'm gonna say that. Most tournaments probably won't use that one. I agree. But the same for charges. Charges should be automatic too. Remove the variant. <laughs> okay. Sure. Why not? It's either in or it's not. Sure. Mm -hmm. You're going to roll one die. Remove it's going to have a hit or a miss on it. it. That's all it is. Everything's going to be 50%. Exactly. Don't give me this. Don't give me this maybe I hit roll. Just I hit or I don't. Like just <laughs> Anthony really missed good old Let's deep strike strike uh, mishaps. <laughs> yeah, that shit was stupid too. Like things can be dumb and stay gone. That's it's allowed. True. And as far as we know, Deep Strike Scatter isn't coming back into the game. Yeah. Oh, thank God. As, as far as we know. know. I, I, hope that, I hope that when you do the insertion yeah. one, you actually just scatter. <laughs> in your opponent's direction. I will so say... Just to make it. I will say that I like the deck as far as, like, pickup games go and stuff like that. I do also think that I hope every tournament organizer for non-RTTs just does what Jeremy talked about and have a preset setup that they're going to run with. Yeah. The only thing I I'm going to run an event where I fix two out of the three every round, but it's a different two one that is so, every round. For our tournament, <laughs> you're going to walk up for the pairing and be like, "And your extra thing this round is that one." My co-organizer had originally had originally proposed that, and I was like, "Not for the first big one that we're running, because this is a golden ticket event. We're giving out four tickets. It's going to be like we we're expecting sixty people. We might get more. We have." We can take up to 160. Have another event with four tickets. Does everybody in Canada not already out? Uh, by the time we're done, yeah, pretty much. Uh, and it's it's only and Eastern Canada, by the way, because so like why Central bother? and Western Canada got nothing. Well, you have to ask, right? Rude. Yeah. We. I will say that I don't I like think, gambits oh, very much. I think it's kind of the weird. one one last one I want to tell. Oh, gambits are weird, but they also yeah. Gambits are the I'm losing horribly, and I'm going to try to lose less horribly, but I'm still going to mm -hmm. probably get fucked. I don't think they'll ever matter in singles. I think they will only matter in teams, and I guarantee at least one round at WTC will swing on them if we use them. I hope yeah. that they're in just for that. Fine. That's I think that's funny. That's yeah. funny. It's way less funny when it's you're the team that it happens to, but sure. You can see that happens when. I definitely will have to hear um, about for like the next couple of months after release about how somebody lost to that uh, artillery. You're going to get it. Like, it's just going to happen. happen. I'm going to get like messages about it and, and somebody's going to be like, it's great, Nathan. I totally lost my game because somebody took it and rolled an 11. And I'll just be like, cool. I feel, <laughs> like, this, you... 
I feel like the score diff that it creates in singles is probably too much to claw back from. Usually, it depends how far back, how far behind you are. Well, because you're choosing it on three, right? Oh, I guess it's at the end of three, though. Is when you're like, let's go. Yeah, so you get your two and three primary scoring, and then you give up four and five primary. Oh, oh, I dislike it significantly more now. Actually, I just misunderstood how it works. Yeah, that's stupid. Um, but whatever. I will gambit not just get taken out by every respectful tournament straight away. I wouldn't be surprised to see gambit taken out. We'll see. I don't know. Um, Oh, with the exception of the gambit, I really like the secondary system. The idea that you can either fix or draw Hmm. that they mentioned, where I was just like, okay, that's kind of cool. So you can I'm definitely drawing oh, yeah. every time. Because if they cards, built maybe. this correctly, there will be a greater reward with a small amount of risk for playing drawing. Yeah. Out of cards, exactly. baby. Exactly. <laughs> and if they've done it correctly, like they did at the end of Maelstrom, at the end of 8, it will actually be quite a fun system from the perspective of you aren't going to draw manifest a psychic power as Tau. <laughs> that would be funny. It also seems like a slightly too easy secondary, so probably not going to exist in the first place. Yeah, but... everything will be great until the faction cards start to attack. Please, no faction cards. Please, no faction cards. I think faction secondaries were like one of the best things they did in man. It's one of the worst, so I'm glad that we yeah. agree on these. That is, uh, like, otherwise, like, the on-the-rails factions that have little other... Op- like, imagine world leaders trying to play, like, generic secondaries. The army would just be shit. It depends what those generic secondaries are, though. But, like... The ones we got, right? Sure. Yeah, but the ones we got would have been different if facts is, is that true? Exist. So it's a false equivalence. Why would you? Because in the this? beginning of the edition, we just said no faction secondaries, right? When Space Marines had theirs and shit, mm-hmm. and the army that dominated the game was Harlequins, because it's just the fast MSU armies when that happens. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure early, like if with you know, like assuming that's the way that that goes, it's just going to be Elf.com. But we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. That would I mean, be my I've... early prediction in a world where there's no, like, I know your faction's slow, but you can score in these alternative ways. But we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I am I am holding out hope that it works. Yep. Yeah. Did Anthony see the mini chainsword on the new apothecary? I did not. There's a mini it's... chainsword? On the apothecary. Well, the apothecary is not really an apothecary anymore. He doesn't heal people. He's like a research scientist taking samples. Yeah, they still call him apothecary. He's Nathan. We have Nathan in 40K. Yeah, that's true. You have me in 40K wandering around the battlefield taking random limbs and chests. We're going to start selling 3D prints of Nathan's head to put in your graphics. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> the only model that's allowed to be on helmet. In it would make me so mad, though, because everything should wear helmets. Sorry. It's like my one pet peeve. Just got a see-through yeah. visor. <laughs> Just the beard sticking out the bottom of the helmet. That's all it is. Everyone will know. Because mm-hmm. he's going like this. <laughs> Just shaking both his fists in the sky. Yeah. Okay. Kind of cool. There's a weird clicking noise from underneath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just hear a beep every five seconds from the model. Yeah. Oh, dang. Oh, yeah, there. That's, oh, yeah, like a little chainsaw on the top. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a little stamp That's going to break off so easily. I, I will take... I don't have this guy in his program. I just want the marine <laughs> yeah. half for this model now. <laughs> I mean, I'll just sell you an extra if you want it. Oh, or give you. it to you. There's going to be oh, so many. There's, there's no way that I'm going to need, like, three of them. 
Oh, I mean, what have I you done? Oh, shit. <laughs> what did you say that? You should attach every squad of you on your army now. All right. All right. Now, now we're going to make... Now we're going to make Innes talk about himself and his win path this weekend. That trophy is awesome, and I I love them. It's, so it's also cool. mostly in the frame. Look at you go. <laughs> Keep going. It's, so it's upside down, and it's gone. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Yay! Yay! This thing is genuinely, like, weightier than my, ambition, my ambitions yeah. in life. Um, <laughs> <Not very> much. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Ella Woozle, researchers are doctors too. Be quiet. <laughs> Apparently, he collects samples of en the enemy and buff squads with it. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, it's actually there to collect student loans. <laughs> 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 They're so large. <laughs> His equipment looks way too nice. He just goes around looking for looking for Death Guard plague sergeants to what cost for shakedown yeah. money. His equipment looks way too nice for a, a postdoc, actually. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Innes. Warhammer is really fucking yeah. easy. Um, you just kind of put the guns at the things and say, do you need me to roll this a bunch? And then they don't, and you score the points. <laughs> um, it's roughly accurate I love sum summation <laughs> of 40k in the RNN now. Um... I don't really know how to go about this best because, like, talk about your two most interesting they, they games. Be... Okay, so let's talk about the semifinals and the finals because realistically, it's what everybody cares about, right? Um, I did play three games on stream. I'll talk about the, the double stress game as well because that was kind of funny. Uh, there was this game against the double stress in the round of, in the uh, round of sixteen, which was super funny because we played this game exactly a month ago in Manchester in round five of the tournament for me to determine if I was in top four. And then we put it in top 16 to the time when I was in top 8, which was really cool. A nice little uh, copy-paste of the last meta. And uh, in the last one, I ripped one of them to bits, and then the other one sat in, on top of a rune and tagged my drop pod. Um, and then I scored 100 and I scored 100 points, and he like, tabled me because it didn't matter. Uh, now, neither of us have Codex Warfare. Do you know what's really nice about neither of us having Codex Warfare in that matchup? Is that I can score other secondaries, and he can't. Uh, it's quite funny. Um, so I just killed his lance meters and then he scored a zero behind the lines. It was quite funny. Um, what also turns out, I believe the commentators were telling the entire time how tanky his traces are. Do you know what the traces are not? Is tanky. Well, they're tanks. Uh, <laughs> one... so they are tanks. Could you yeah. care to explain what kind of defensive profile an Astraeus has that would okay. make it? So the first six wounds of an Astraeus, well, three wounds twice, have a five of them vulnerable save. Um, after that, it's raw dog in a two-up. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> don't know if you've heard of these things called combat doctrines, but it's a really bad time to be anything in line of sight when you have just a two-up save. Um... That's a lot of AP4, uh, AP5 in that. Toughness 8, 30 wounds, it flies, it has like so many guns, like, it just looks at a thing and it goes away. It's fine. It'll comfortably kill, like, four units of Space Marines a turn. Um, Jordan, it doesn't do is survive the second squad of Desolation Marines. Uh, yeah, but... At one point, the stream caught away midway through my, like, turn three. Cuts away, the dropper comes down, looking at Astraeus, can see it on the angle onto the room. Stream cuts away, comes back, it's bottom of my four, 
Uh, both are dead, and I'm in his deployment zone. Yep. Um, it was gone for maybe five minutes. Yeah. So I can only apologize to Dave. This was a miserable matchup. He knew it was a miserable matchup, but he also didn't have any outs and played it as best as he could given the circumstances. I did nothing for two turns and then killed his army. It was great. Iron Hands are fun on both ends of the Yeah, saddest part of that game. He had just beaten Crisp as well, which was nice to get the vengeance for him. The saddest part of that commentary in that game is them being like, Iron Hands Astraeus, super tanky, and it's down to three wounds. And you're like, what? (laughs) And they were like, oh, that was the Desolators that shot. And it was like, yep, (laughs) sure was. Anyway, cut away. (laughs) Yeah. I spent the first two turns Volconning what each Astraeus wants to strip the Void Shields, doing nothing else. Because <laughs> it could see both of them from the, my deployment yeah. zone. Um, and then I killed one, then I killed the other. Because I dropped the drop pod in behind the screw piece of terrain that the Astraeus couldn't get to, so that the other one couldn't shoot me back. And then I just walked with it and shot it again from the pod. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry, Dave, is all I really have. Are you to sorry say. to him or are you sorry um, to his list choices? A little both. Um, I really enjoyed my... The, the funniest thing in this game is actually my Molimatas, which rolled a 1, a 1, a 6, a 6, and a 5 on damage output. But David only remembered the 6, 6, 5. <laughs> it's like, the first two did roll double 1s, man. Like, this is like 2 above yeah. average. It's like, this bullshit. <laughs> it's dead, yeah. though. Dead and gone. Bye. Um, so, yeah, that was my game 6. Uh, my game 7, I ended, up, I ended up getting the buy, which is why it's supposed to be to talk about... Um, Boris uh, made the top eight. He beat Josie Cartwright's Necrons, which is a super cool list, by the way. Congratulations to Josie for making top 16 with a convergence of Dominion and a monolith in Novok. Um, honestly, absolute hero plays for him. Um, uh, but he ended up um, winning best overall and going home. But apparently hadn't told the organizers that the reason he couldn't, he wasn't playing tomorrow wasn't because he hadn't made top eight, but because he was choosing to leave. So he was still in the draw when Toppy got paired, uh, which meant that I turned into him and got a buy. So uh, for competitive integrity, I played a 12-year-old, um, where we both received the win because uh, it was unfair of me to get a three-hour break, which I get. I kind of wish it hadn't been a 12-year-old. It was hard to sit there with my Iron Hands army and be like, I can't like make this a game for him because if I walk out, I do just die to the guard. Oh, was guard. So I have to, yeah, just like guard with a Rogaldor, and I'm like, this is scouring. Like I can't just sit here, and I can't let him shoot me. <laughs> so I just like very slowly, slowly, ninety minutes on the clock, violence. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, that's enough round time that I don't feel bad about this now. It all dies now. Um, yeah, that was a that was a difficult. Difficult game in that sense. But kid was really nice. His mum was around. Um, he's Scottish. So I hope in six years his redemption arc, he comes around, absolutely pays me, and can take over the team. Right. That'd be great. Because Chris is in the middle of So um, love you, Chris. Uh, so then we moved on to the semifinals, which was probably objectively the most interesting game. I don't know how well this one came across on stream because there was a lot of coming back and forth to the Deathwing versus Guard game, which was had a lot of like interesting wraps and tags. Um, so for context here, I'm playing Brian. Brian is a teammate of me and also like half the rest of the top eight, because uh, man is on like a singles team and a, team, and a national team, so he's just he gets around. Um, so Brian is playing Eldar, I'm playing Iron Hands. We played this game twice on GW terrain, 
uh, two weeks ago at his house, where he crushed me into the dirt twice, which did not fill me with confidence going in. But I did have one saving reason that I had gone first in both of those games, and both of our seconds have been all stuffed. He was trying to play a bad RBD plan. I was trying to play banners and also turn one charging in with infiltrators, which feels like it was probably not the way to approach that matchup. What are you doing? <laughs> Dude, I really don't know. I don't understand how to play this army without Codex Morpher. I'm not going to lie to you. I do just be vibing. <laughs> just vibing as the whole opponent's army just gets erased off the table. Just, I'm like, look, man, I'm going to pick these secondaries, and if there's stuff alive, I'll figure it out. <laughs> That's been the, the usual the problem with Eldar is that they will be dead, but they will have outscored you in the process. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly the problem. So what secondaries um, did Brian take? Just out of curiosity. So Brian played... Uh, well, Brian originally started with Scout the Enemy. Um, <laughs> Scout the Enemy. Uh, behind Enemy Lines and Warbreak Shell. And then we got like halfway through the deployment step. And, like, we're putting units down. And I, look at, I start looking at his deployment line. And I'm like, looking at where he can physically stand to scout the enemy. That's not... like. <laughs> In the, and there's like the corner of his ruin, he can fit a model. And I'm like, so if he can stand a character there within an inch of the wall, and that's the only thing that can scare the enemy that's not immediately dead. I stand hmm. by that man, Brian says. <laughs> you should have, you, you definitely should have played Scout. You definitely would have gone and get Bahara. I absolutely would have gone and got Bahara. I could have gotten five anger veterans into him and turned two and killed him. It would have been great. So, anyway. Brian played banners behind enemy lines and uh, Warbird Chill. I played behind enemy lines, Oath of Moment, and a third secondary. Banners. Yeah, banners. Normal. Um, you know, the secondary you usually take when your opponent's not going to yeah. run you. Um, Brian then proceeded to run at me uh, <laughs> with a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so Brian got first turn um, and jammed, uh, redeployed some. Striking Scorpius towards me, who managed to charge and kill Scorpius of Anger Veterans through the Violent Field of Pain, which I need to run the map on, but I think I should have had one or two of them alive, pretty likely, but he got good he got like good explosions, and then I killed a bunch of four-ups against the Crushing Blows guy and just took this one off. Um, they then didn't tag, they got shot to death by Volkix and Tempter. Uh, and then some Shroud Runners dived my backfield with a Warlock to cast Chinks, who proceeded to explode because he used the Fate Dice oh, to get no. Chinks off. <laughs> And then rolled the other one dice on a six, and then looked at it and was like, "Yeah, I'll be fine." And rolled a six on the so his first four dice rolls of the game were sixes because he got first objective move, first oh, excluding fade dice. He got first objective move, first turn, blew his own head up, <laughs> and then we started playing nice. the rest of it. I was like, "I guess." He deserved it. Uh, at this at this point, we're just like I'm like hugging him off screen a little bit, <laughs> just like. It happens. You know, okay. No, exactly what you're looking for out of a game of 40k. Um, the Shredrunners then proceed to nuke a Landspeeder Storm with their guns unbuffed. He's just like, I, I don't really feel like shooting the Vanguard veterans anymore. So he shot Landspeeder Storm, killed it. Two guys disembarked, got out, and then Wireweave Grenade died. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like... Nice. So that's my behind enemy lines plan a little, little bit worse. Uh, which then made it into, after the war going up, a much more competitive game because Sure. Got, got a bit of a high roll. I had a bit of a high roll. Um, fairly, fairly, both feeling fairly. I think I felt fairly even coming out of turn one. Like I was a little behind. I lost the Vanguard Veterans, lost the Scouts, which is a lot of my forward pressure. But he also, you know, blew up his Jinx, which is really good for my stuff, just living a little bit, which ended up coming a lot throughout the game that I just had a few units live a little more than they should have. 
when he would have had a smite or a jinx to make them not die. We then get into like this really scrapping back and forth game where Brian's basically just diving my deployments all constantly for behind for behind lines points, and I'm stealing the middle for ultimate moment and trying to set up so that I have just enough in the middle that it's not worth him full committing, but enough there that if he doesn't full commit, a couple of things might scam him. Which is, you know, a really, really tight line to walk where you're like, I need one of these two speeders to live with like one wound to the night spinner bar off and any indirect mortals he's got. And then maybe like a fire and fade. And I got one or one wound one turn, which was the game. Um, because it got to get me behind him in lines point and like screened out his um D cannon from coming in off the board edge in a better position. And it just gave me that little bit. Um and then eventually he came out on turn. I like dropped everything in the middle on turn three, um, killed off the rest of his like Harlequin stuff with the Destiny Marines. Um, a solitaire had an unfortunate incident with a Venga boss. Um, yeah. What I, I I would actually kind of curious like what your reactions to this live I were. I fucking screamed. I was freaking out. <laughs> I saw the rolling happen and I was like, yeah, he's hitting on fives. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> now the question is that we were all wondering: Was that the flat three damage that killed him? Okay, beautiful. Yeah, it was the front. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so beautiful. It also didn't matter. So what ended up happening is I rolled thirteen shots on the first these the first shotguns, put five wounds on him, and he failed one and took one damage. Average. I was like, damn! I really wanted to be two because yeah, you know two is then uh, enough that one failed save kills him. Didn't get that. Venger launcher goes natural six shots. Now. Iron Hands in cover can do well anything in cover on a trade piece can do a rule called uh, hold steady, I think is the, is the yeah. Overwatch one. So they hold, they choose to hold steady, which means the Overwatch on fives. Um, I actually don't know if it's Overwatch on fives or plus one, to it's hit Overwatch on Overwatch, fives, but yeah, cool. So it doesn't interact Correct. with the Iron Hands strategy because that would have been really funny. I would have now it doesn't say that. unmodified fives, uh, but yeah. sure. Um, so indirect at him. Um, Venger Lodger, six shots. Roll the dice. Five natural hits and a four, which gets rerolled with Master Artisans for another natural for another five up, which then proceeded to all wound on trees, rerolling threes with no rerolls. No, no, they had reroll ones because the. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, so threes rerolling ones, dunked six wounds on the Solitaire, who proceeded to fill the first two and die immediately. Um, oh, amazing. <laughs> Brian's just looking at the five dice he has to pass two four ups on and just stops. Um, it was, in all honesty, absolutely heartbreaking oh. to watch Brian just like drops, and it it was just the game strip. Like I think if he makes that charge, we either draw or I lose by a couple points. There is probably not a line out of there. Um, it would have relied on like me hitting a charge out of deep strike with the drop pod at that point. Uh, I would have needed to like oh, hit the, the nine into geez. the Harkins. It's just like, yeah. stuff like that. Like it would have been a really dicey angle after that, or me hitting the four up on the alt and I on his warp ritual, which I did miss on the next turn. So they, they, there were still lines in there. Like it wasn't just the game. But there was definitely like it swung the game. Like it won the game. Like it meant that I, I was going to win pretty much. Um, I had to do some cleanup. He had like fired the Kurnos pole pistol, put six more wounds. Oh yeah, he'd already rolled box cars on his nine inch charge. Before he before he moved the salt there in, uh, it's just like disrespectful. He didn't even have to CP reroll it, which meant when Baharov failed his charge onto the guys in the middle, he got to CP reroll it. It was like just perfect storm. Uh, but no, he died on Overwatch. That yep. was fine. 
It was very um, funny watching the stream and the commentators hyping up the oh he's blitzing he's coming in he's gonna go in he's gonna blender those and then and then the then you see the dice starting to get rolling you're like oh shit yeah <laughs> so I'm gonna ask you a question that's gonna make Brian sad go for it how stressed are you in that exact game if you go second against his orc list? And Brian starts the game just in the middle of the board on GW train, like, what's up, bitch? Not so much because it's a grimacing artifacts. You don't think he just like because... windmill fists a hole, like a orc army sized hole in your army, and you don't dig out in time going second? You know, you know the thing with Iron Hands is like the C model kill model. Yeah, no, I get it, but it's kind it, of it tracks it works into an orc it, army it's as kind well. Of tough like, to C model on G Dub though, right? It Some models you will see. I can I'm because so I can like pull my home objective like six inches back and then be like, hey, I get that you're gonna dive that one. I'm gonna get there later and just like work your way to it. And it's it sucks. It really sucks, but it it's possible. I just um, meant that it's like you're the big stressful going oh. second into that. Oh, yeah, but I had to go first in that matchup because I always get what I want. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the roundup we talked about game. Chris never beating you. Brian's just not like the gods above shine bright on you whenever Brian gets close. So we're now, I believe, nine and three in tournament play. Um, the scammiest one is when he went first with his double sun sharks and failed to do any damage to me. <laughs> and I killed him with Kraken Tyranids. Just like, like, I guess I guess I'm alive. Brian has it right there. <laughs> Anthony, you forget yourself. If I was on orcs, he would have gone first. Yep. See, Brian and I share a hive mind because that's exactly what I just <laughs> yeah. said this one. Um, so yeah, that ended up with like my Vanguard veterans then got to cross into the middle, charged his Farseer, took his home objective, which was also his priority objective, and then gave him a four primary on that turn, which actually held him down in primary and screaming artifacts because he then dro he drops three for not getting it. Um, and it ends up just being a couple points. Which was heartbreaking for Brian, who then went on to play Manny and uh, dropped him so hard. I think Manny conceded on two. Uh, Ow! Which was brutal. Uh, yeah, it turns out um, three's to wound. Pretty Just good enough. Because <laughs> that's what they were doing anyway. All you needed. I got a ton of strength five and six. That's all I really yeah. wanted. Um, so, yeah, I think Brian had a really good time there. So, Brian ended up coming third at the tournament and winning his Golden so congratulations to Brian. So then I moved on to the final against David Gaylord, who is a player I've only played against once before, so much less experience with this. This was also, besides the child, the first time I've ever played against the new Guard Codex. <laughs> Seriously? What, what kind wow. of privileged life do you lead? That's funny. That's the best. Like I've done like a couple of TTS and practice games against it, but I've not played it in a tournament before. <laughs> Every single Anthony. tournament I've been to in ARCs, I have played guard and it has been pain and misery and suffering. And I love you, John, very, very much, but still no more guard. Anthony's going to leave in just a second because he just doesn't understand how this works. <laughs> so how was your first experience into guard at tournament play aside from the 12 year old? Fuck you. <laughs> So first, what secondaries did you take and what secondaries did David take? And what mission were you playing? So so we were playing Death and Zeal. 
So for people who are listening, Alex Taus just asked, Innis, was this also the first time that you've beaten a Kiwi? I don't know. Maybe. I've only played David in tournaments before. Like on, Alex. one for one match. I've never oh, yeah, you played him. I, I think that was the joke he was making. Uh, sorry, we played a practice game in his garage where we played Chaos Knights to Gene Circles and I didn't beat him. I'm so sorry for concluding all my record. <laughs> <laughs> you realize he's coming for you at the WTC, Alex. He can do whatever he wants. Um, I love Alex. He's a wonderful little lad who gave me a bunch of training for free, so I should probably not shit talk him too much. Plus his podcast. Oh, Alex, he's built like oh, a Oh, he's like skinny. He's a rake. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. How was playing not born soldier nerfed Kasserkin guard, you fucking nerd? There weren't even any Kasserkin guards. As I was mentioning earlier, Brian is both mine and David Gaylord's teammate. And I said to him, You're not going to tell me any of this anyway. He said no, and then proceeded to walk over to David, which was a little painful. <laughs> betrayal oh okay just so, betrayed decided, which side he's on here okay i get it thanks brian <laughs> so you just guys were beating betrayed. him so i want you to know that i don't feel too bad about what i did to him because of that specifically <laughs> um so david is playing a armored superiority and swift is the wind army which is basically plus two move on all his horses and vehicles and then plus one movement on his infantry and then uh, all of his vehicles count as more offset depending on more models based on how many wounds they have. So like the Sentinels are three, Chimeras are five, and his Dorn is 10. Um, so I speak to Nas Nassim very quickly about this, because this is Nassim's last Nassim pilot. And it seems like, yeah, he's going to just like pressure your objectives. And I'm like, cool, so I'll take Shock Assault. It's definitely I'll get seven points if he takes four primary okay. I'll recover it. It's fine. And then he proceeds to just like sit in his deployment zone. And I'm like, oh, that's not a very good secondary here. Uh, so we end up on kind of the same wavelength of game as what I had with um, Brian. So I'm sitting here looking at needing to cross the middle, but he's got two very melee tool command squads that, with the order for plus two movement and the native plus one and plus one to charge, are going to be able to dive to the middle and take it off me if I put too much there. Right? So he's going to be able to jump there. He's also encouraged to get them there because he's got boots on the ground. So he's running boots on the ground to flex with command and raise, ban raise the banner hard. Uh, I have shock assault, both of moment, and bring it down. Uh, I go second again, which is an absolute gift from the gods, uh, 100%. If I go first in either of these games, they are much harder. Uh, I think I just lose the Brian game, and it's very difficult in the David game. Um, so, you know, you got to, as I say every time, you've got to be very lucky to win a tournament. Uh, everybody does, and I was, and I am, and that means I got the prize. So, you know, skill issue. Um, <laughs> every time, man. I don't understand how that, I, I need to stop saying it. I've been saying it way too much lately. <laughs> To the point where I'm like saying it in normal conversations and people look at me weird. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I can't help it. Um, Skill issue. So my secondaries, ultimate moment is going to be a 15 because I'm going second. It's very hard to stop space from scoring a 15 or ultimate moment. It's kind of a ridiculous secondary. So if everybody noticed. Um, and then I'm going to get something on Shock Assault, maybe eventually. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> sure it like it early. Cool. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and bring it down is going to comprise of some number of points depending on how aggressively I can play the late yep. turns. Because if I can see Sentinels, they're going to die. If I can see the Dorn, it's going to die. If I can get to the Chimeras and stuff like that, they're going to die, right? Like it's, you know, it's, it was better than the other options. Now, should Shock Assault have been banners? Yeah, 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 it just should have. Um, but it, 
it wasn't. My worry, if I play banners, is that David does lean into that very aggressive mode, and that becomes a game that's a lot sloppier and a lot less. There's a lot more play in that game, right? Like we're we're then trading over the middle objectives and we're fighting a whole bunch, um, which is going to give him a bunch of primary extra. And like, sure, I'm getting banners, but he does have the capacity to dive me. So you know, it's not it's not going to be a fun experience playing banners into this list because it has a ton of object, a ton of board control. It's going to be difficult. Um, the silence of a ton of damage. It also you gives know. more so ways like, for the, the, the game, game to go the... sideways for you. Exactly. Well, you, let's talk about how it went sideways. Uh, <laughs> so it's very, very possible that banners would have just changed the game completely, and it's very hard to walk the, down the line of how the game would have played if we had done banners instead. That makes sense. So what ends up happening is Dave kind of, I deploy very, very safely. I strategically preserve my repulsor, which I think Anthony enjoyed quite a lot based on me reading back. Dude, I chat. was freaking the fuck out. I was like, where is the repulsor? And then you, I was like, oh, I guess it must have died to something. I don't know what happened. And then I'm like, later, you're pulling it on the board. I was like, ah! <laughs> Uh, and then obviously the drop pod take its take its content. So I put basically everything behind the sort of bottom left plate in Death and Zeal. Now I don't know if you know anything about GW layout three on Death and Zeal. You get like a third of a ruin to hide in. Layout two, sorry. Um the day three layout, which was layout two. Let's not repeat this. Um you get like you don't really get a deployment zone. You get like half of a ruin and behind it, and then there's like a bunch of dead space where if you stand there you die. So I didn't put it in there. I put everything behind the ruin. Um, and it's a fairly fast army. I had infiltrators at the top left that basically fully concentrated. David had put down some sentinels so that I couldn't get permanent control on it or the middle objective without being in line of sight. But I don't really need that. I can walk onto a turn one. Um, the infiltrators are going to be screened in the back corner so he can't drop in for like puts on the ground there anyway. And he has to play them down in line of sight. The only place he's going to be able to put down his um, reserve units, so he's got 20, 30 scions and 20 guards in a reserve. They're going to be able to walk onto this one little piece of dense where they'll get like eight of the models on the dents and two of them not, which means I can start murdering them um, with the Contemptor and like the Gladiator Reaper or Desolation Rings with Gladiator Atlanta. Like, you know, the guns in the army can kill 10 guards. Um, so he puts them down there, and it's the only place he can come down for puts on the ground that isn't, you know, actively intake. Um, he proceeds to, you know, rack up some of the flexible points. He gets like a three and then a five and then I think like a two. He ends up with like 14 on, on the flexible command because I managed to. This, the sentinels get separated from the Ontis, and like the the squads on boots on the ground get separated once command squads start dying. So like inflexible gets handed like a fourteen over the course of the game. Boots on the ground ends up being like a twelve for him because you don't sort of turn one. You got the command squad in the middle twice, and then like Marble got a few times. So it ended up being like a twelve. He had a an eleven inch charge on my repulsor uh, with the minus one charge strat and minus two to charge stratagem, which he failed, um, which would have given him another point, which would have meant I had to kill another thing to bring it down. Um, that was a Hail Mary for him to do it. I probably could have just moved the image back. I think I wanted it far enough forward to threaten the Sentinels, so I was happy giving him an 11 there. Then we have what happened in the middle of the board, which is the entire game, basically, uh, was just like this one objective that I'm trip-feeding, doing the exact same thing as I was doing to Brian, where I'm just like, here is a thing with another thing that's really awkward that you have to slightly commit for. And the entire goal is, over the course of like three turns, I will bleed out everything that can get to the middle, and I can, on that turn three, stage everything in the middle and then make a play. Um, and that's the entire game plan is there's two command squads and one squad of scout sentinel, or like one squad of sentinels that will be close enough forward to get to this. If I can deal with the two command squads and make sure the sentinels are far enough back that I can't, that if they wanted to shoot me, they'd be dead, then I can make a play on this objective on turn four. 
Oh, and that's exactly what happens. He feeds me a command squad, I kill it. He feeds me a command squad, I kill it. He's very careful to not stand on the middle objective to give me shock assault. Um, he like gives me like, but it's all movement, right? It's you know the land speeder gets the angle, nothing can shoot it now. It's safe. The scions come down, it is backfield objectives. Desolation Marines are just slowly racking up damage and killing like a sentinel here, putting some damage on the chimera here, some guardsmen there, right? It's just constantly building up that chip damage. And then on turn turn four, turn four, David is sitting with an objective of chimera, ten infantry on the outside of an objective in the bottom right, and ten scions that are going to do the minus one AP and no wound reroll strategy moment. And I look at that objective and I go, I have a, twelve models looking at this objective, so if I can kill. Five of those guys and all these infantry, and I can get my right to work here, I can die. And there's a command squad in the middle that I can use as a slingshot charge. So I fire, like, there's six guys in this squad with a Bulgren. So I fire four Desolation Marines and kill two of them. There's five guys left. Fire four Desolation Marines, kill three of them. Two guys left. Everything in my army charges there. And at the bottom right, the indirection of the Desolation Marines picks up five of the Kazakhstan, uh, five of the Scions, apologies, and then I jump the objective. Wrap the Chimera, and that's game over. Brian David has some plays here. He can try. He just has to go for trying to tag down as much as he can because I can get to his home objective now with a bunch of stuff, uh, which will be another shock assault because it's death and zeal. He moves off it to try and make like the charges more awkward. So if I try to kill the chimera, I have to charge past it. Things like that. Just it becomes a bit more difficult. Um, but I've taken a banner down, so he's going to get eight on banners, which is matched by my like four on shock assault and the seven point primary advantage I'll have, and then Orphan and flexible are matching. So then it's just it's bring it down versus boots with a little bit of an advantage there if I can get a yeah, bit so more. All the triggering and the yeah, well, I have a contemptor that's untouched, five desolation marines, ten and and uh, ten devastators that all walk into the open and can see five sentinels, two chimeras, and they're all dead. Uh, so I get uh, I'm, I we we don't roll it. I max bring it down that turn as well. Um, so I end up winning. We didn't take the shock assault points because I just don't need to make the play, and I win by three points with the beard. Yeah, just by killing the stuff that's in the open. That doesn't get just by killing the stuff that is there and dead. <laughs> um, and that that was the game. Um, there was also like some really cool things in the middle board that mattered but didn't matter. Where like I pull, I tried to pull off a, a double wrap on like a sentinel and a tempest of sand squad that would have made him burn a bunch of CP, um, but it ended up working out anyway because he committed the door and burned a bunch of CP to desperate breakout instead. Because I was expecting him to like acceptable losses, desperate break at the central acceptable losses, and kill one of the squads anyway. And instead, he desperate break out the um, sentinels, fell back with the scions. Now the only issue there was he got the extra bring, he got the extra boots point mm. for that. Um, so there was a couple of things in there. Um, but the vanguard squad that was going to die died anyway. Uh, the other squad didn't take damage and sat behind a wall. It got charged by a command squad and like took a damage. I think to the five field of pain, um, which was what I was doing to beat him to coming right. towards me. Uh, that then meant the Rogal Dorn, because the angle it had to be on to be within 24 for its melters, was in line of sight of Desolation Marines. Desolation Marines picked them up. Um, that was the entire play there. Like, it would have been nice <laughs> to get the double wrap. I know, right? Desolation Marines picked it up is the game plan. Um, the first four shots, it I got seem four, simple got. or easy, but it doesn't. The, the, the first four, the first four shots I put into it, I had the Contemptor and two and two scores of Desolation Marines with seven missiles lined up on it. The first. Um, Four desolation shot, got four hits, three wounds on fives with a reroll ones and a reroll one from the target protocols with the deck marine. He failed all three saves. It took fourteen damage because oh. he was sat on two CP because he didn't have um didn't have the plus one, and then it got removed for the rest. Um, 
so yeah, that was that was the sort of the game. David played it phenomenally. He played so far back, didn't give any opportunities, but all I needed was that eight-on shock assault because I had the primary difference, and then both versus boots made up the rest. Um, David played fantastically. He told me from turn one he thought the game was over and he'd won, so did Vic. Uh, which was quite funny. Can... As I'm sitting there, like, definitely not, but sure. So did Vic, uh, as you can see in the Discord. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, all told, it was a phenomenal game. David was an absolute gentleman to play against. We had Justin Curtis, um, like table bossing yeah. us basically. Um, so we had a bunch of like tricky little consolidate plays, and it was just a case of like step back, get the judge to check everything. We ended up being like. We ended up having like 20 minutes to play through our turn, like my turn, both of our turn fives. David played his and we called the game because it yeah. was over. Um, but everything was super amicable. David was absolute pleasure to play against, as was Brian. Um, they were both like super chill games, full play by intent. Um, David congratulated me on joining him in the three super major wins club, which I appreciated. Oh, yeah. uh, that was that was a nice. Um, so yeah, nothing, nothing but good things to say about both of them. And the fact that there were no English people in the top three of an English tournament <laughs> is absolutely my favorite stat. What should you have taken um, instead of Shock? I don't know. I, I actually think I should have taken Banners and Shock um, and not bring it down. Because then you don't rely on him I just coming don't have out to, to you or getting those angles. You can play the passive game. I and guess, you yeah, force sure. him. And, shock still, and I can still dive in for two Shock. I can still dive in for two Shocks. Mm -hmm. Shock just seems really fucking sketchy, bro. <laughs> You're always you're never not really killing good. vehicles in that matchup, right? Sure. I don't know. I, Banners makes it a very different game. The problem was that it's really hard for me to get anything onto the top left objective. Can you just start because the, it's such a full up there? I could if he hadn't got third top step sentinels there. Oh gotcha. And then the distance I have to cross to get there is yeah, then it's like it's, the it's, Vanguard has to start really close awkward. to the wall, which then means the scout sentinels going first can charge yeah, my Vanguard yeah. veterans. Which is like a thing I don't want, and then it's a lot. It's like roll a four on the advance to get enough stuff there that he can't just like dive it with the Dorn yeah. or something, tear down my primary. Like it gets really I mean, sketchy really quickly if he can do that for a couple he dives turns. It with the Dorn, you just fucking. Well, no, because the Dorn diving twenty inches across Death and Zeal sees my home ruin. Oh, yeah. So it's it's shoot me and stare down yeah. my primary and take an objective off me. Like that's not a play I want to yeah. give him. I don't know that it's a play that will uh, ever like. Knowing the the opposing pilot, <laughs> I don't. The the ignite boys tend to not play that aggressively. I I yeah. do that. Dorn on your home objective to, to give you yeah. a four primary. Shoot your you, home ruin. Ten look, ten vanguard vectors. You would do ruin. that. 100%. I would do that. Uh, Sean would do that, and that's like the 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 it. I can't think of anyone else that plays that aggressively. No. <laughs> I once one of the practices I Brian, I didn't raise any banners turmoil because I charged him with every of the unit army. Christ. Uh, that wasn't the guy. You shouldn't take banners. Brian takes issue with you. Apparently uh, Dave doesn't play aggressively. No, Dave Dave is a very Is he on guard though? Um, he is bringing like a, uh, is a, a a more aggressive guard list, right? Yeah, when when I played Dave on Nids, Dave was Oh like, yeah, Dave's a jammer, yeah. just not on that army into your army is the point that I was trying to yeah. make. Sure. On that army, he definitely is because the armored superiority swift as the wind build is designed to put pressure on the opponent by yeah. yeah that's this is that's like the aggressive. He's been in a chat with Liam VSL, Brian, and Vic for so long that he's allergic yeah. to jamming. So yeah, Brian <laughs> gives him the bounce energy, and then Vic and Liam give him the elf power, and he's just like maybe he's calmed down, you know? 
He no. forms the Voltron of aggression, but tempered by elfish yeah. nonsense. Yeah, I joke about that, but actually Liam's a fucking swinger too, so I don't know. Super, super yeah. yeah, no, the Ignite Boys are actually... Oh, it's just Vic. It's, it's just, just Rad. It's they've, got Chris, they've got Chris Rad, Chris Radford, Brian, uh, Vic and Yokel. Uh, I have not watched Yokel play enough to know how he plays. Yokel's very oh, safe okay. um, Like, he's, he's tempered. Yeah. Um, I would explain his game going 56 so, minutes yeah. over time. Uh, no, um, four hours and one minute that game lasted, Oof. and they started early. <laughs> they started early? Yeah. Okay. Like, they, Diffie was at their table waiting for them to see the score so he could press pair, like, two minutes past Jesus. four o'clock when the round was then mm. start. Um, I know. That, that was a Space Wolves versus Deathwatch game. It was just super methodical. Um, that was Josh Roberts playing it. Uh, Josh ended up having that one. Um, what else to say about the event? Overall, it was a really good time. Like the actual tournament was great, and sense of like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put this in a way that sounds dismissive, but I'm going to put it in a way that sounds dismissive instead because it's me. Um, the event was great. The space was fantastic. Like it was really awesome having the like gaps between the tables are great. The judging team was fantastic. The like once like we got like printed mission packs that were super clear. People still played the wrong missions some around somehow, which I think is really funny. That's impressive. Um, the judges came around and reset all the tables, like so they, they were all proper. Words. Um, they make it so easy. <laughs> yeah, it was really easy to like grab down, flag a judge. Um, Mike Pratt was constantly at the front, like very easy to access. The terrain was not my preferred terrain format. I've played a bunch of games on GW Former now in the states and here and in practice. I don't particularly like it. Um, I find the Perspex plates really difficult to engage with meaningfully in a game of 40k. Um, I don't like the angles that they create. I don't like the... It feels uninteractive, like that you're not actually playing with the terrain, because the terrain doesn't really matter at that point. Um, it's just blocks of you can't see. I generally prefer the more considered angles and things like WC terrain or UKC terrain. Although UKC terrain, like, both of them have their own issues. I think the Perspex plates are really hard to see uh, and can create a lot of awkward interactions where you're like no but if you actually check the angle properly over you can i don't like it um they also feel very closed off and very safe but impossible to stage on which really promotes an interactive play and i don't like that the middle ruins are too difficult to get to layout one layout three is just bad it's just not good terrain i don't think i was looking at it too um, on one of the missions and my somebody in my local was like, yeah, what if I played this mission on this? And I like looked at layout three and I was like, there are just two massive lines from like through the yeah. middle to um, your opponent's deployment zone. My, my homework challenge to anybody would be to would be to look at layout three and set up the abandoned sanctuaries terrain layout. And you can from there's like a ruin in the bottom left and a dense piece in the bottom right. And if you put a shooting unit on each of them, they can both see the entire middle objective. They can each respectively see the entirety of the side objective, and they can both see behind the opposite ruin to your opponent's deployment zone. Which meant that my turn one, like my opponent staged up like a tiny amount, and I shot like a Volca Contemptor at Shining Spears that were staging. Yep. And like he couldn't stand on primary. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. I have second turn and both. You'll not have models. I'm quite glad that the only way I'll ever enter, like the only GW tournament I'm doing since Layout 3 has been introduced, will be the team tournament where I'm taking Layout 2 as a defender, as world leaders every time. So I'll just never interact with that. Yeah. A friend of mine sent yeah. me. I, I did not think it was a good layout. It was fine on Tide of Conviction, except for the fact. So actually, no, that was the other problem. The, the Layout 3 Dawn of War deployment zone includes. <laughs> 
None of the actual wall of the ruin plate that's in your deployment zone, not a single piece of it is in your deployment zone. And then the bottom left ruin, you get almost all of it. And that's it. That's all you get terrain-wise. So me and my opponent started our entire armies behind the perspex sheet, except for like I put like my infiltrator forward yeah. and one storm on that, and then nothing. I have a picture of a TTS layout on the back forward to the here perfect. for the benefit of everyone. Oh, there it is. Is yeah. So see this ruin that's on the middle. If you unlock that and drag it to the no 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 sorry the middle of the bottom objective. If you unlock that ruin, I can't unlock it. It's I probably could actually. Oh no, I'm not going to try. I'll break everything. If you drag that ruin to the front yeah, of that plate, here. that's where yeah, they were. Oh, yep. And then see both these ones on the right and the left. All the way to the front here. Oh my goodness. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about just like a killing zone from deployment zone to deployment so, zone. You, if you were like at the bottom right here where that like industrial piece is, you could see the full, full of the right objective. Um and these two ones at the bottom left and the top right had man how playable is this if you just take the middle ones and spin them like if you take one and face it towards one deployment and take another one yeah, and spin it the other way yeah so exactly like that yeah, so it's already bad with those at the back though too like it's not great it's not great it was playable though me and brian played some practices and so then you could at least hide uh, not with this. Oh one. man, yeah. Ooh, brutal. Oh no. Oh no. That's that's. There's no no cover. You're just. Oh man. You're in the wind. There we go. Turn one against a shooting army. Okay, and that middle piece. That middle piece um, doesn't have any walls on it. It's too like, like imagine like the industrial sector like yep. fences. They're like an inch high. And it doesn't. And they're not like dense; they're just light. And, and it difficult. doesn't have obscuring, or does it have the obscuring keyword? It doesn't have obscuring. Oh, no. Okay, so if you're in this bottom left ruin, um, you can see behind the plate at the top, at uh, the middle right. If you're at the bottom right industrial terrain piece, you can see behind the plate. Let's well, just top get left. rid of that because really, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, pretty much. And that—that that was the board I put against scenario. Oh. Yeah, man, those are some amazing little shooting lines that you can draw just on turn one and just annihilate your poor opponent. Yeah, and uh, Hydar makes a very good point as well. Only this wall is fully enclosed. Oh, the side walls the are true line of sight, so wherever they terminate... Oh, no, we. I think everybody at the tournament played those as full line of okay. sight as well. Because at the GW event uh, train that I played on, it was whatever, wherever it ended, that's where it ended. Yeah. Okay, no, so we were all playing them as like the same height <laughs> as the rest of the wall because we were all playing like insane shooting armies that if anything was in line of sight, it died. So we were all like, so these are blocking, right? Even so, uh, this is... Yeah, this board was a, an absolute disaster. It's real and this sketchy. is the same layout we played Tidy Conviction on. So if you swap this deployment over to Tidy Con this objective layout over to Tidy Conviction, you can see the other problem with this layout. <laughs> which is that everything is fully hidden. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. So you get the exact opposite problem. This is the board I played 140 crew on. Yeah, there's just you no crew. Max, no prisoners turn one. Yeah, I scored. I killed 140 wounds of crew turn oh, one. You can't go anywhere on this. And a website. Nope. No, you can't deploy anywhere, but you sure can't hold every objective from behind a ruin. I mean, those middle ones are fucking scuffed. Yeah, but it's enough that like Baharoth there is a pain in the ass to deal with. Sure. Baharoth anywhere is a pain in the ass to deal with. I, don't I, don't, I wouldn't call that the opposite problem. <laughs> cool. And then the third the third game we played on this one was Recover the Relics, which is a game. Jesus Christ. 
fuck. For everyone else's benefit. Nice. Why? <laughs> that was game one. I guess one. you can hold those from the corners at, with like an at least it's game one. Yeah. That's still that's real that's bad. That's not an excuse. Remember, you need to control an objective here to get your CP. I'm sure Ennis's opponent rolled a four up to get CP every turn that he played. You only get that in conversion. You don't, you don't get, get that, that in this. Oh, fuck, you're right. Yeah, it's yeah. only the one where um, if you don't control your home objective and the one where your warlord is dead that they added the four. No, so I put against, I put against, oh, sorry. In this one, the um, the ruins were rotated. So the middle, the two middle ruins were rotated. Which way? So the one face left. And oh, one okay. Face right. That's... So you had a ruin to so work it was with. Kind, kind of, of okay. You had a ruin to it's stay. still not. Through, so it was kind amazing. of amazing. Okay. It still wasn't ideal. Um, but yeah, this is the my I get to play against the Space Wolves guy who was at his first tournament. He ended up going four and two, by the way. So like absolute champion. Thank you. Yeah, so like yeah. that and thanks for the free fight. OGW soldier. Um so that guy jammed his full army up because he was like, surely it can't do that oh, much no. damage. Man, that that phrase was something that I also <laughs> got from somebody during like dark technomancers drukari once where they charge something and the guy was like surely you can't kill all of my thunderwolf cavalry and then i killed most of it in overwatch yeah brian played guard right <laughs> oh boy and was like yes his mind that's um like i saw brian running between like his, his board on the other side which is never that a is good, so. that is generally um, bad yeah so yeah, that was the. So yeah, that was. I think we we're good. So yeah, this was the other one. So this layout is just bad. Like I, I just don't think this is a good layout. Um, it need, there desperately needs to be an obscuring piece in the center, yeah. um, and more training your deployment zone in the Dawn of War layouts. Um, like it just needs to be the back, the back of the ruin for Dawn of I'm War. I'm just layouts. so confused because like layout one wasn't amazing or perfect, right? But it was better than this. I think. I've not. I don't think I played. Yeah, layout one was definitely better than this. Layout I just one... don't know what the. It's better than this. It's yeah, not good, yeah. but it's better. It is, than it is better. Like layout two. One thing to note: that objective there that's in your deployment zone can't be held from off the plate. By the way, yeah. So, so if you dive it, you can see the yeah, objective. Yeah. So, like shroud runners turn one. If you're trying to like hold your just objective, you can just. Because I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, how dare you exist? And then if you try to like exist after they're they're done shooting, they'll just wire grenade you as well. Um, so yeah, that was so that yeah. I don't think this is good. The other issue, Hader mentioned it earlier. Um, there was no time management. I I get that they want every game to finish and they don't want to like use chess blocks, but games running four hours, running four hours is just not good enough for a competitive event. I don't think mm -hmm. it was nice that every round everybody got to play to finish or like if you were talking, if you were like we're going to talk about turn five because the judge has called hard dice down and the next round is starting, there is a judge there to walk through it with you. Um. And like you're gonna roll just the things that you that matter, but I just think there needed to be slightly more stringency with it. I don't know. It felt like some games got to run for an extra hour, and some games were like, "Nope, we're moving on to the next mm -hmm. round." And it was basically, basically whether you played during lunch or not. Um, and I don't think that's a fair determiner for whether you should get four hours for a game or three hours for a game. It's whether it was game one of the day or not. Um, so there just needed to be a little more. A little more with that, like if you're gonna let one of them run on, let it run on exactly as long as you would let every other game run on, which would be like twenty mm -hmm. minutes, not an hour. Um, it only came up once. I get it, but it shouldn't be coming up at all. Um, I like the top cut system. It was fine. I wish it was a little more 
clear. Like, I wish we would just been like given like this is the top sixteen bracket. This is what you're playing games in, like a one to sixteen seeded or something like that. I think that would have been better than what it ended up being, which was Swiss. But Dave Gaylord always comes second, except he didn't on BCP, so he won't get less ATC points. That's for been it, which updated. I think is also odd. Has that been updated? He now is second in in uh, in BCP, okay, and Brian is third. Cool. Um. Yeah, that's kind of like the main. Um, Overall, it sounds like it was a good event. It was a good event. Uh, the convention, I have no idea. I really couldn't say. I really wanted to go do all the tethers and stuff, but I just couldn't. Um, there was no time because everything was going to take super long. Yeah. Um, all the swag and stuff was really cool. I would probably do it again, but I wouldn't. So the, the, the line I ended up on after it was, if they ran one of these a year, I'd do it every year. If they ran more than one, I'd do the biggest yep. one. That's kind of where I landed on it because I don't enjoy the train format. I think it's a little painful. I don't love OGW as a. I really, player. really uh, hate going to tournaments with OGW. I will specifically not go to them if they run it. Yeah, I would rather like I get that they did. They did like they did most battle points, which Hater managed to which Hater yeah. win. Um, like there, are, there are things that are like I prefer Win Path generally. Um, obviously, I would shill for Twenty Nine System every day of the week, but. For what it was, it was fine. Okay. Um, massive thank you to Joey for running the event. Obviously, it was super cool to see one of the format over here. Uh, it's not something we've had a lot of experience with. It's very different from the things that we usually ran. It was super cool to see like the TO for the UKC events played um, a single Chaos Warhammer Titan and went two and seven with it. Um, so, props Hell to yeah. him. Uh, it was amazing just having an event that literally, I think, if you would ask me to name the top 20 players in the UK, I think all of them were there. Um, which was just awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, no, that, that's all I got. Uh, the trophy is really cool. There should have been a third place trophy for Brian. Very disappointed he didn't get one. He got a ticket out of it. Yeah, I know, but it was my ticket. So, you know, it's like... I actually... Brian has a physical government ticket. I don't have one. That's the worst part. I don't even get like a keepsake for it. You should have um, said that's mine. I, I should. I should have. I might felt a little mean spirited after the game we played. But, um, oh, all the street people were fantastic. Just being on the stream was a great experience. Um, I wish they would have let me use the static objective workers or put my England Matt soft sign on the board. But I understand that that was an option. Um, for all of the criticism that I have of the commentary team, I will say that it did seem like the stream team themselves were very well coordinated. Because they were talking to the table bosses, they were getting updates. When they were asking the right questions, it was actually quite informative. Um, the challenge is, is, of course, you're appealing to the whole in the whole community, not just people who want to see a competitive game. So there's a lot of explaining how things work that is very useful for that uh, um, audience. That yeah, it's not aimed at our demographic, no, right? Not. All at the end of the day, what I think they should maybe consider doing is allowing other people to restream just one of the games. Um, I also don't think they should do two stream tables, personally. I think it's a lot of jumping around that confuses the average viewer, but I assume they'll know that better than me. It was definitely... Um, because not getting a continual game state can be a little difficult. Yeah. Level, but... We kept losing, like, like twice in your game, your drop pod came down, and you were, like, about to start shooting, and then they switched. And I was like, ah! <laughs> like... <laughs> That's the. What do we do? They they definitely chose multiple inopportune moments throughout the entire weekend to cut to other tables, and it's just like, no. But again, this is like 
room for improvement. I'm glad that they're yeah, doing a stream. I'm glad that they had. Oh yeah, they I, had commentary. I would, I, a bad stream is better than exactly. no stream. Yeah, yeah, there, it right? wasn't even a bad like, stream. So no. Yeah, exactly. It was just okay. Uh, Warner and Kicker had great energy. Uh, I really enjoyed what I've watched one and a half of the games back so far. Um, like Kicker is phenomenal. I'm oh, sorry, not Kicker. I have Paul Murphy. Um, <laughs> sorry. What are you doing? Just laughing. Oh. No, Anthony. He's making weird faces. Paul and Paul and Warner had a really good vibe. Um, I understand it's a corporate stream at the end of the day, so it's got to be like interacting with the chat. And you're like, "Hey, what's your first army? Where yeah. are you from?" They did a really good stuff, job of that, which I don't love, but they did a really good job of it. They had uh, having Warner on was great. Um, yeah, no, uh, that's that's all I really got. Should we do questions before? Might as well just do plugs back. real quick. Although we're like super sure, late on it, it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess if you're still here, almost it's a two hours, of reasons, almost right? two hours into this episode, you must be enjoying what you're seeing. So thank you for watching Stat Check so far. We couldn't do this. Does it sound up still when I do it? You just want to do it? You could just do it. No, does it? <laughs> there we go. Um... Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everybody for watching this episode of Stat Check so far. We're gonna take a short break in just a second, and then we'll come back and we'll take show questions where everybody from Patreon will get their questions answered. If you want to support us, you can go to www.patreon.com slash statcheck, where for five dollars a month you can join our Discord and get access to all of our bonus content. Uh, a lot of which will be coming pretty soon. There are a lot of plans for more bonus content in the near future, and you'll only get access to that as it is released if you join our Patreon, but you will get access to it eventually for free regardless on our YouTube channel. Otherwise, if you can't afford that, and that's fine, we would appreciate a like, a comment, and a subscription, or even better, tell a friend about our show and see if they will come watch it. Um, that is my call to action, and you can do that at youtube.com slash c slash stat check, where you can subscribe, like, comment, you know, do all the obligatory stuff for the algorithm. And then from this week, Innes was on Contact Loss, which is an amazing podcast where you should go watch him talk about coaching, I believe, right? And then Anthony was on an Art of War podcast. I don't know which one, though. Which one, Anthony? Not the main one, just like the standard okay. Art of War podcast, talking about my growth as a competitive player and playing world leaders in the second half. Then you should also check out the other shows on the network. I'm going to call us a network, although we're, I don't know, where you can go watch X and One with Cliff and Tim, who put out some of the best content, I think, in competitive 40k at the moment, where you can learn to grow as a player. And then... That's on Thursday this week. We didn't have an episode yes, last week. So that's every other Thursday, typically, minus dad shenanigans. Dad shit, and, dad shit. And then you can watch Typhus do Enter the Matrix. He's got some cool plans and development, so you guys should get ready to watch some really amazing teams-related content coming soon. Enter the Matrix is the single best high-level 40k piece of content that is created right now. And then with that, we're going to take a short break. And then we will come back and do questions from the Patreon, Discord, and from YouTube. All right, we're breaking. Welcome back, everybody. You probably just heard an amazing ad for some kind of service and or thing. Probably Goonhammer. Goonhammer. Uh, so now we're going to start taking questions. We'll start from the Patreon, Discord, and then we'll move into YouTube once we are through all of those or when we get all tired and decide to stop. Uh, first question is just a quote from somebody and I cannot tell who it is from. Okay. Wow. That's a long question. 
The discussion about commentary in the Warhammer Fest channel has me thinking. How do you think the community can improve the quality of stream coverage at events? Some challenges I see include Warhammer is an international game with different regional standards for events. Little to no money in a good stream, which is expensive to set up. It requires extremely knowledgeable and charismatic hosts that aren't also playing. What are some of the ways to overcome these challenges? The re the reality is money needs to be invested. You need to find, you need to make a, either, you need to do one of two things. You need to convince GW that there's a business case to be made for just providing entertainment commentary that and, and streaming that is similar to what we get from people like uh, Peter the Falcon Colissimo, um, Rob the Honest Wargamer, uh, Adam Camilleri, those kind of content creators that really know the game or know how what kind of questions to ask to drive commentator. Also, John, John. thank you once again. Thanks, we are going to get Nathan up here just for that. <laughs> yeah. John's going to get Nathan yeah, up seriously. Um, John, do you just want to buy my ticket? I, just, do you just want to do that for me, bud? You buy his ticket, you can pick his army. Yeah. Continue answering the question. Yeah, if you do that, so, you can pick the army, I guess. Why not? So, GW, making the case to GW to invest in this and, and do more of a um a commentary stream on like high high level quality commentary not just you know for everyone um the problem is is that the audience for that is fairly small yeah like you look at war games live they produce all right so anyone who i'm gonna cut this off just because it's hilarious so john has just said to send him the link <laughs> we will talk to you after the show we'll john um, anyway, so the problem is it's very small. War Games Live puts on an amazing, um, high level, high quality production stream for tournaments. He does it entirely out of his own pocket for the most part. Some tournaments are able to support him, but the reality is most tournaments don't have the funds or don't can't come up with the funds to pay for a stream. It's usually done out of donations, out of Patreon support and the like some tournaments have support have, have been able to 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 support and pay for streams but to get that kind of high quality like a really good example that's often brought up in the stature community was capital city bloodbath last year was um streamed by essentially the flg stream team back when or see flgn stream team back when they were they were doing events because it was uh tech priest dickie and val heffelfinger working behind the scenes you had rob the honest wargamer fly in and we had peter the falcon colissimo also come in and the the commentary was just top notch that kind of for lack of a better casting duo is very rare to come by um and it's very difficult to fund and to keep going and to essentially shuttle from event to event around the world or even around North America or around the UK or EU, wherever you end up focusing, wherever, wherever you end up focusing this. But anyways, back to like war games live, really high quality stream gets what thousand, maybe a couple thousand viewers on a, on a big event. Mm -hmm. I can't remember his actual numbers, but I seem to remember it being somewhere along those lines. Like it's, it is a good amount for a niche hobby, but at the end of the day, it pays enough to keep him as a solo operative going. If that turns into a team of people who actually want to make their career out of it, it becomes a lot more expensive. Yep. And so the challenge, it always comes down to money. So you can either fund, fund convince GW that there's a business case to be made for streaming other events aside from their own, or 
you find someone who has relatively deep pockets and willing to take risk and have them throw money at creating a stream team, hiring commentators, hiring uh, a technical crew, and essentially running at a loss for a considerable amount of time. Because let's be honest, while we are in a fairly niche and fairly expensive hobby, if you look at things like sponsorships, it's very difficult to it's very difficult to get that kind of money to keep it going. Yeah. And like there's it's also hard because if you want to do more than just like an English language stream, it can get more complicated because you do want to do that. You want to include non-English language streams if you can, because there are large communities where English is not their first language. The Spanish stream, I think, is the one stream team is like the big example, because at one point, I think the there was a Spanish group streaming. And I can't remember what it was, but they had more than the English language primary stream. Yeah. Reviewers. Yeah, it was. El that was a video, yeah. take Calavera away from them next year. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's like it's expensive. Everything is expensive. Equipment is expensive. The upfront costs are extremely expensive. And then transporting it all the way to a various events is also expensive. And, and unfortunately, the there's just not enough money in this hobby at the moment, given its size, to support like multiple competitive stream teams doing stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, and again, uh, the Casey Casey is the one who asked this question from the Discord. And the last one, the last point also comes out is that like requires extremely knowledgeable and charismatic hosts that aren't also playing. Most people that are really good at the game and are fairly charismatic have some level of content creation associated with them. One way or the other, they usually want to be playing at events more than they want to be covering events. Except for Nick. Nick is awesome. Nick does great work. Um, we need more Nicks in the world. It's true. I think Next there's exactly question. enough Nicks. We need more people <laughs> like Nick. Fair. I don't know that we can handle more Nicks. Nicks. This is true. I don't think there's <laughs> enough. They would become friends, and then it would be disastrous. <laughs> yeah, we might end up with an with an unwieldy archon there. Yeah, exactly. B. Watson has the next question in chat, which is for Innis, what was the rationale behind the repulsor tank, and to what extent was the choice motivated by playing on GW terrain? Would you consider it a viable tech piece in a player place terrain event? Congrats on the major win. Uh, I mostly just wanted to make everybody think Repulsor were good. Um, <laughs> no, um, so the Repulsor was there because there's a bunch of stuff in the map right now that can be very good at dealing with Desolation Marines, while, and they're kind of a core part of the army, and that they force, they're there to force your opponent to interact with you, right? So as the Spaceman player, your secondaries aren't what they used to be. Um, you're definitely still relying on brute force. And brute force we played around, which means because your opponent can just play passive secondaries and just rack up the score, play the value primary team. The desolation is goal is to constantly will down their resources to the point where they can't just do that for free. Um, and eventually they have to do something, which you can see bore out in the stream games I played, where um, against all three of my opponents, I just you know, grind down their resources to the point where they eventually had to do something, punish them for doing something they need to. That's the core gameplay loop. What the proposal does is it says that I don't have to deal with you doing that to me on my resources that make you do the thing. So you can't dive in my report my um, tessellation wings with shroud runners or with a night spinner, or um, you can't storm by wall charge in turn one. I don't know why you do that, but if you were psychotic and you wanted to, it's a theoretical option. We played like Death and Zeal, right? Um, it's also a ton of guns. We were running a, a Gladiator Reaper 
unironically, John Lennon played three in his um, Cherokee list, I want to say, um, because he couldn't find something else, right? But he did play three. Um, they were good. The Gladiator Reaper gets a little bit more on the heavy weapon side, but the um, and it's a little bit longer range of a few of its guns, but the Repulsor is broadly more shots. Um, it loses a little bit on the AP side and not as many heavy weapons. It gains a twin LAS cannon, a transport capacity, four wounds, which is, excuse me, not nothing. Um, it maintains access to a fallback and charge stratagem. It's got a minus two to minus two to charge stratagem. Uh, it's got an indirect hunter killer missile, which with a free reroll to hit and potentially getting stacked and buffs on it from things like the tech marine and target protocols, which don't always have another target in the list. You can stick a ton of buffs on this. It allows you to use the tech marine on it or the contemptor goes and operates independently because the tech marine can operate independently. Uh, sorry, the contemptor can operate independently and you can then have pressure on two sides of the board with a very difficult to kill unit. An army like Eldar has a lot of problems killing a toughness 8 vehicle that can overwatch anything reasonable uh, without committing a lot of resources. It took, and I think I said it took one damage uh, in games over the weekend. I was actually slightly wrong. It took one damage against David and it took, I think, six damage against the Tau guy who picked it as the target for his Far Stalker kin band and did six damage to it with the bloody rerolling the wound damage three gun <laughs> on it. So it took seven damage all weekend. Um, that was that was it. It just does it doesn't die. It very consistently sits there. Um, the amount of resources your opponent has to put to killing a vehicle like that in an Ironhouse army means you lose the game if you try because you slam into this, the drop pod slams back, and then I have stuff and you don't because it's going to take enough points to kill this thing. Um, in any matchup where it's you know not needed, you can strategically preserve it. It's then just another gladiator. Um, and you pay seventy. You paid seventy points for the privilege. It was fantastic. I don't think there's any terrain format where I wouldn't consider it. It was great in that it hides on GW terrain, but on almost any WC board, you can probably strategic preserve it pretty well. And if you're not, you're doing it for the same purpose. A lot of the time, it screened my backfield and threatened and never shot, or it fired like the twin last cannons on turn five. You don't need that much damage in Iron Hands Army. You get to play a ton of utility. Go and play that utility and win the games because of it. Um, if you don't want to run it, you don't need it. Like 100%. You could just play five more Desolation Marines and then like use the other 30 points somewhere else. But sometimes it's too much of a good thing. It makes your nest even more diveable. Um, it's difficult to sometimes fit 50 models in a place where they can be lieutenant rerolls. The second, the third code can be sketchy for that reason. Pick your poison if you want more. Run more if you want to try it. Try it. Give it a go. It's good fun. Uh, also consider double impulsors on 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 WC train if you're playing them because uh, desolation is coming out of an impulsor is quite That's funny. That's fucking threat range, bro, and that shit is. Yeah, it goes super far. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, one one thing I will say is it's not for the desolation marine matchup. If your desolation marines are firing at my desolation marines, I am probably winning because my forward pieces are gonna yeah. get to you if you're not killing them. Don't fire desolation marines at desolation marines if your plan is to win the game. Fire them at land speeders and vanguard veterans. Um, don't fire at Desolation Marines. They, they don't matter enough. They're not going to kill you fast enough. Uh, and you're not going to kill the Vanguard launcher in like in, until like turn three of doing that, which is the only Trust thing me, I tried this. In the Marine match. <laughs> yeah, it sucks, doesn't it? All right, what's next? Right. Which armies are you looking forward to seeing their indexes? Such which do you think will be the most powerful? Which is from John. Drukari, give me the fucking boats. <laughs> I I have loved the shit out of playing CSM. I'm removing sub-factions means that I'm pretty children instead, though. And I'm not super excited about attaching Abaddon to 10 Terminators and herdering up the board again. Uh, that was fun for, like, six months and kind of over it now. 
Um, but if possessed or hype, I'll be pretty excited. Like CSM, I'm like soft excited for world users. I'm as feels like before the book came out, maybe I'll eat my words again, but I'm just like rather confident they'll be shit. And then, but the one, the one that I'm I miss terribly and I really want to go back to is Drukari. I want Drukari to be good so fucking badly. <laughs> uh, that's the one I'm most looking forward to seeing. Tyrannus. I'm going to steal it from Ennis. Running away. I just want Tyranids to be good. Reasons? Man, I love bugs. I love all the new bugs. I love every bug. All bugs all the time. I'll play bugs. It makes me happy. Drakari is like a close second, but in Anthony just kind of exposed on it for a while, and I don't want to also say Drakari. For me, um, I mean... Dark Angels is the e <laughs> 2021. Ancient history, basically. Uh, I mean, Dark Angels is always going to be my my answer to that because they're my, they're my first army. But realistically, Admech, because of how shittily designed their codex was in ninth, I'm really hoping that they figured out how to make that army work this time around, because that, yeah, I, I just I want to see what they do. Um, Really, I'm just looking. I'm, I'm looking forward to having like a thousand pages of indexes in front of me and just flipping through massive, flipping through violently. Make that motion again, slightly closer to the. Chest. Are you guys uh, planning <laughs> to do a like? How are you guys going to do this with your WTC teams? Like when the index is dropped, you all get on a group call and bullshit, or you look at it as individuals so you don't want to hear the idiots' thoughts. Uh, so actually, the way that I've done it, because why not? Um, We've got five coaches. We've got 14 players. Um, we have divided up the factions and basically said we have eight traveling to players and then six backup players. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, well, you, we, said, we, you said five coaches and then four players, and I was like... No, 14, 14. players. Oh, that makes way more sense. I thought yeah. you said four. So yeah. I was like, man, you're going to have a fucking hell of a time. Yeah, no. Because <laughs> no, of the way no. that... Um, Travel and selected players have performed in the past. We uh, we always select backups. Um, so we have 14 players. We have five coaches, four of whom are going to be traveling to the WTC. But we have divided up the codexes amongst everyone. So when they drop and be like, you go look at Space Marines. You go look at Admech. You go look at Drukari. Come back and tell me what works in these books. And we're going to see what meshes and what where the relative power levels sit out. You have one I could do that, but I'm only going to trust my interpretation. Sorry, what? Okay, I was just saying, um, we could do that, but I'm only going to trust my interpretation, so it's easier to just do it myself, because I'm going to be doing it for work anyway. That makes sense. I was like, surely you have one person looking at Drukari, right? Like, you yeah, don't yeah. a whole bunch of perspectives I mean, on that. Yeah, we, we only need the <laughs> one looking at Drukari. Yeah. You can't trust Ridvan to be objective about that. Like, no, no, that? he will come to me with a build, and I will say, show me how it works in the context I'm not getting big brained with a build right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, as for myself, uh, it's actually Voltan because I can't wait to see the beam plane. Um, it's respectable. <clears throat> no, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Nids for the same reasons. I want to see the Lord of War <laughs> thing that I keep hearing rumored about. Like, I want to see this Lord of War that they've been talking about. I hope the Neuro Tyrant's a Lord of War. He's so tiny. I hope it's a true. He's like, just gets he's like the size of a hive tyrant. He looks like he's maybe the same no, size. He's, as the hive he's like the same size as the winged prime, I think, which is like a 60 yeah. base. 
So maybe Wait, he's like smaller than Cooper Kelly. I hope he comes out um, war size. Oh no, he was in the box. You saw him already. Never mind. Let's say I hope he comes out and he's just like on a night base and it's just like <laughs> I would love that. That would be funny. Um, huge. No, I so I really want to see GSC because GSC are a faction I don't think GW have ever gotten their faction identity right. Um they have never felt like so like from the seventh book to the eighth index to the eighth book to the ninth book, they have had no consistency as far as far as what GSC are about. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in the seventh book, it was all about disappearing back into reserve with every unit, juggling off back and forth on the board, regenerating models as you did it. In eighth index, it was all about like a hard alpha um, with shoot, with combat. In the eighth book, it was about like aberrance, I think, um, and then like wrapping and um, charging out of deep strike with a lot of consistency with one unit, but not a lot of units. And then in the ninth book, it's a shooting book. Um, there's been no like stable direction through it other than they show up on the board um, which means that there's a lot of space for them to do another new cool thing with them i don't think crossfire is a particularly suited mechanic for the way the codex should play um and i think there's a lot of space there for them to do something really cool with it so I, i'm looking forward to seeing gc uh and then obviously nids is you know what i'll be playing it to see if they're viable yeah. I'm gonna get really excited about Jakari. They're gonna come out. They're gonna be super OP, and then Sean's gonna take them from me three weeks before the event. And I'm gonna fucking throw my head through yep. a wall. <laughs> or Harpstall. Harpstall will decide he wants them. Jack doesn't get to take my armies. He can bother the prospects. <laughs> the next question is for <laughs> Anthony: Is is Anthony going to try and win a golden ticket for Sigmar now to flex on nerds? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I could do it at this point. By the way, um, but that's partially because that game's not that hard, and that community is not super developed. So. Um. Yeah, it is what it is. It's not. It's not been around that long. The community, like games that have not been around as long, have smaller competitive communities and don't develop as quickly. We see it in 40k. If a league pro came to this game with the same level of intensity, they would shit down our throats. Like, <laughs> just is what it is. Luke G has a series of questions, and I'll just start with the first one. Uh, do you think that vehicles in tenth are going to be a lot stronger than currently, given given what we've seen from the power level? A Probably lot of shrugs. That makes sense. Depends on points. Depends on army rules. The do people the, the scaling and toughness and weapons. That's what terrain war. Do people remember how hyped people were for a vehicle edition at the start of ninth, and that didn't really it develop in every time? It was. We kind of have had a vehicle edition. I'm not gonna lie. This is like the best vehicles I've ever been. Oh wow, it's vehicles been... have been really shit historically. Then. <laughs> We've had like <laughs> raiders, raiders, um, plate burst crawlers, iron striders, um, void weavers, both sets of planes, nemesis dread knights, all be the best unit in the game. For all of the rock, all of the buggies have been like the best. All the best units in the game have been vehicles. This edition. I don't know that I'm quite that willing. Raiders Is that not... because they were vehicles though? Yeah, raiders weren't. No, Raiders weren't the best unit. Raiders weren't the best unit in Drakari. They were just delivering the best unit. You very easily could have done that with Venoms, though. Yeah, but they're still vehicles. You try playing your Drakari with no no Raiders and no Venoms. Sure, I'm just saying, like that's a product of Drakari being right. I would argue that this edition, more than any other, has been defined by vehicles. Yeah, that's probably true. I'm just saying that, like, that means in the past vehicles have been real bad. I mean, like, this is me going back to like Fifth Edge. Like, they they were terrible and like. So, like, I didn't play very yeah. well in fifth. So, like, for my competitive experience of, like, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, uh, this is the best yeah, thing I've I will played. say. Uh, and consistently one the, of the uh, NID rule, the army-wide, like, adaptive thing, looks like it'll just, like, shit your opponent's pants in deployment every time. It'll be like, what do you have a whole bunch of? Sucks to suck, bitch! <laughs> All right, here we go! 
It works like great for Death Watch, right? Right. Now. I mean, it could if that army was better. <laughs> so let's wait and see. Um, Some of next? these questions are going to be hard to answer, Luke. Uh, for newer players, can you guys explain how gameplay changes when you've got characters embedded in units as opposed to the current system of ninth? It's like, I don't think no we know idea. yet. I have no idea. I'm sure I'm going to be able to screen less stuff. Yeah. And then lastly, a stats question. Uh Okay, I'll field this real quick because I've already read it a couple times. Um, sure. Basically, what he's looking to know is, as we continue to expand our data collection, how are we going? Have we given any thought to using the info for filters beyond veteran or newcomer? And the answer to that is that as we gather more data, we're going to change how those filters work and how those filters are defined. Rather than being X number within the data set, it'll probably be X number over the last six months 12 months to see how often is this person playing not how many times have they played in our collection because when we yeah. started out we'd only been collecting for a few months so that you know someone who went to six events in three months was probably a pretty proficient player or just you know a masochist yeah we're gonna add more filters as time goes on like more facets of ways to analyze and look at the data yeah exactly the 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 reality is is that at the end of this edition the current data that we've collected is going to be used to prep for the next edition. We're not going to roll like uh, actually I'll, I'll answer this right now because I've gotten a couple of questions about it. CRS, ELO, faction rankings will all be reset once the edition launches. Um, sorry, anyone who's been enjoying sitting at the top, you got to earn it again in tenth. Yep. I still stand by the fact that we should maintain a permanent one that tracks forever. But we could. It's doable. Look at it. Yeah. We would just remove the faction, primary faction. The best player oh, man, we'd have to, like, just forever. But... It would be complicated for CRS, not for ELO. ELO, it's simpler, yeah. CRS would be complicated because you use faction as an offset for a lot of stuff. You just reset the faction data at the new start, right? Yeah, but the, if the faction but definitions fundamentally change. On it? Sure, but you just read, but you, when you read, oh, I see what it, you're saying. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you basically say, like, this is the new list of players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You so they, they, you are a new faction list, but your score, your starting points, yeah, you just basically sense. freeze the old thing in amber and then like add modifications to it yeah, from exactly. the old one, new ones. And we should definitely host those because frontline don't do a very good. Oh, job I'm, 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 I'm going to build an archive page that'll show this is the previous edition. Oh, yeah. The next question is, how do you successfully monetize your hobby from Martine? generally uh, don't best you can do is break even most of the time unless you genuinely spend all of your time on your hobby and then it becomes a full-time job but like in actually it. monetizing yeah, the um, hobby really good at tiktok i mean i was even before i was coaching i was pretty close to break even with store credit but that, that took a bunch of winning and like living in america it's not a yeah, sure. But I'm just saying, like here. Like, but you're breaking even on the hobby. You're not making money off of the hobby. Sell terrain, yeah, that's yeah. what we're yeah. doing. Um, Commission painting is a way to make money off it, but they all require you to like. If you you hear like stuff for friends, I think or... Scary's had a couple interviews on this topic, and basically he talks about how you have to like. It's like a 40 plus hour a week grind to make sure that your hobby is being monetized appropriately to make money off of it. Uh, the next question is from Dan F, which is for me, which is what will it take to get Nathan on the Sigmar train? Somebody's finding a way for me to get more time to hobby or sending me a fully painted army. That would be the way to do it, guys. I don't have any more time for any more hobbies at this point. <laughs> I barely have time for 40K. 
Grant says, how does the stat check team feel about parasocial relationships now that they've gotten a little bit bigger and have more internet strangers interacting with them slash watching them? It's probably not changed for me for the past five years. Yeah, for... More people say hi now because I'm more notable, but it's... I missed the question. What was that? Uh, parasocial relationships. So people who recognize you or know you from from this or other content that you've created and as we grow more and more people know you recognize you i mean you're with art of war so it's less applicable but at the same time how do you feel that that has changed and evolved and how do you interact with that oh it's been great people are usually super cool uh sometimes people think i'm in the art of war house which is funny they're like oh i love the streams you guys do and i'm like thanks bro uh but like the <laughs> fucking stolen valor yeah, but, uh... Besides that, like, everyone's pretty cool about it generally. Uh, I haven't had anyone get weird with me yet, except, like, one specific instance when I played in a tournament in the Midwest and someone was like, fucking Art of War guys, and then I, like, threw them in the dumpster. So, like, it didn't super matter. Back up. You just backed up his opinion. Uh, I mean, like, I was super nice to him during the game and gave him a whole bunch of takebacks as I skull-dragged him. But... <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't have a lot of these. I don't know. I I think I get recognized less than Innes and Anthony because I'm not as good of a player as either of them. So people will say like, "Oh, I like the show," mostly after they see like the objective markers and then realize who I am more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I've been recognized more and more at tournaments, but it's also a mix of running tournaments, and people just kind of gotten to know me. But I, I talked about this last week when I went to the tournament in Trois-Rivières, which is fairly far from where I, my, my normal uh, haunts, um, like three people who I played who I didn't personally know recognized me. And the second player that I played was even just like, hey, I'm going to get a free coaching session. I kind of chuckled because I was like, okay, so you're going to this Wizard of Fuse statue. But he played for points. So you're just like mentally writing down the W? <laughs> well, I mean, like some of that too has to come down to like, you get like there's not like stat check jerseys yet right like when i go to a game it's very clear Who that i am in art of war <laughs> so yeah. especially since they made jerseys that are like separate for those that are like active coaches so it's not like that guy has played a game on the east coast in the last 10 years like the jersey used to be yeah no it's it's it is something that is definitely unique yeah or as mcdougall likes to put it how did you get that again or <laughs> oh, <laughs> dukes and then Yes, Alex, I do get more kettles than the other stat check members. Yes, that is sure. the thing that happens. Um, Microwave team, man. I do, sometimes still, just to annoy people. Remember, guys, send money to the the Nathan Flights and Kettles one. <laughs> and um, I, use, I use that kettle every day, basically, just so people know. Uh, Brian, Brian asks, how does it feel to scam one of your good friends live on the internet? I'm assuming he's asking Innes. Well, me and Dave aren't that good friends. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure he felt a lot better about it after you went over to his finalist opponent and fucking pulled him out of win, you cunt. Brian, Brian, it's a dice game. You should have played around. Right? <laughs> Typhus. Is good. He's just, he's not that fast. So I don't know. <laughs> Typhus is... I got that momentum, baby. <laughs> it's hard to stop. That's just what it is. Juggernaut. Typhus is, is Typhus asking at? us a question. That's, are there any Canadian team events we could conquer in us? Canhammer Team Tournament. Come on down. We could do Canhammer Team. We should do, like, the Team Turkets or uh, Team 
tournament circuit next year where we just do like Talavera, Canhammer, like we just take the the boys and we just go. We're we're, we're have you heard we're doing French nationals so we can make Nas. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, yes. Is that allowed? Is that how the rules work? <laughs> what's like the yeah. floor like how few french people can we have on the team and still pick their captain actually no, you should uh, ally with shintil and make him the captain of the italian team we can do that too we just go to all of them and just like yeah, ruin the wtc next year and be like, See ya. <laughs> if, you run, if you run a qualifier team we can we will buy your we will help you buy your pay team. pay for our flight pay for their flights pay for their food accommodations and they yeah, are your, your national team <laughs> ANZ team oh that's the bit that's the big aussie turn yeah, yeah we should go do that yeah. that'd be funny too and then grant asks favorite tyranid bugs slash models slash data sheets i mean it's got to be the fire in, the right it's, yeah i was gonna say i it's the swarm specifically the swarm, the swarm lord is a but... nice model mm. i like me and the swarm lord did some things with double moves <laughs> Of the non-Hive Tyrant models, I really like the Dimecaron model. I just like that model. I have three of them. They're yep. gorgeous. Um, I really like the Parasite and Tracks. I think that's a really good model. Oh, yeah, awesome uh, model. Real quick. Am I awesome. the only person that thought that thing was going to be like Tyrant-sized when they showed the previewed yeah. and was like giga confused when I saw it in real life the first It's time. a Tyranid warrior and it's like skinnier. <laughs> it's funny. Everybody, whenever I deployed like the flyer and the parasite, was like, "So that's that's the flyer, right?" So the, the point of the flyer, but so that's the parasite. I'm like, "That's the, the flyer, dude!" Like, you just a flyer before? Like, Where's your parasite? I'm like, "This thing." That little oh, shithead. What? Yeah, it's a small. <laughs> I straight right. up. Nurgle Matt, Nurgle Matt speaks French. Should we boost Nurgle Matt? Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we were there any good questions in chat? I'm kind of having a hard time parsing it real quick. Uh, Innis, what is your do Iron you Hands possible? color scheme? Damn it. What is your Iron Hands color Let's scheme? Do that one first. Uh, okay, so you spray it with Gracier, then you drown it in Apothecary White, and then like anything that pulls too bad, like take it off, otherwise it like makes a really annoying film that you have to like scrape off and redo it. Just like dab it with a sponge and anything that's keep too too much. And then get the biggest brush you own, dip it in some white scar, rub a bunch of it off, or sort of correct white, rub a bunch of it off, and then like just beat the shit out of your model with a dry brush. Uh, and then that, that's the white done. Um, it looks okay at a distance on anything that's not a vehicle. On a vehicle, it looks really shit. So battle damage the shit out of it with sponges. <laughs> I was going to say, you're uh, painting, good. Like, I don't know. Like... Yeah. Yeah, and then the infantry. Um, then that, that you're done on the infantry, and then like paint details, uh, with like traditional. And it looks really good on stream. Um, the shoulders are the shoulders are black, and then driver gray, and then I do white. I do blue on like any detail that's not, and then I do bases as um, a layer of blue, another layer of lighter blue, more earth, and then driver blue, uh, blue light blue white and done. Black things. Fury seals get painted with red things, and they look red in the army. Makes sense. And then Contact Lost has a question, which is, do you think it is possible to have flavorful armies that play in accordance to their fluff and still have a balanced game without power creep? No. Yeah, of course you can. Why would you not be able to? That's your Kari Codex was so good at A, but not B. Yeah. (laughs) I think actually GW has designed some codexes that are very good at one of these things and not very good at the other of these things. Oh, World Leaders. World Leaders is is kind of power creepy. Is it? 
for like every codex that's not like A tier right now, does it not just lose you the like snip the secondaries though? I feel like you're right. Like I meant yeah. like the book, right? Like when Jakari came out, they just fisted you. They could have played without 45 points and just murdered your head. Like that's fair. That's actually my favorite thing about the current man now is watching every Jakari, whatever Jakari player bounces into a Death Guard player, and they're like, "This is this, this should be," and then they remember that like it's fifteen hundred points of Jakari, it's twenty five of Death and, Guard, and you're like, "No, you just don't least, win ever." You could have won that in the old days, but now where the Death Guard like start the game on eighty eight, you're like, "Oh fuck!" Like <laughs> we're not doing this. And then there was a question in here about whether or not Angron can do his command phase buff when he's off the table. No, he can. No. No. We're not actually, actually no answer. We're not answering yeah. you. Um, Ask it to you. And then Tim G asks, any chance we could ever get the stats for how many weeks each faction had an overrep of two and ninth or something similar? Curious which army was longest. I think we do have we do that. We have a timeline version. We, we have a win rate, right. but I don't think we have an overrep version. It's easy enough to do. Yeah. Um, as as we wrap up ninth and we wait for 10th, we're going to do a few retrospective yeah. deep dives with stats similar to yeah, how we did. Definitely be similar to our. Yeah. Well, also similar to how we did the, the deep dive stats takeover a couple weeks ago, we're going to do a couple more of those because people really liked those, apparently. I yeah. imagine if I had to guess, it's got to be Harley. It's just because they're rep. By the way, can I, I'm just going to very quickly share yeah. my screen. Because uh, I want you to take a look at what happens at the end of the uh, towards the new meta. What happens to this little one here? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone want to yeah, guess man. which one that is? Oh man, I can't so, see it. It's so it's fuzzy, iron, but that's iron definitely hands. Iron Hands. Just, just everybody, everybody's right here in the middle, in the like only kind of a problem. Like GSE is poking up. A bunch of armies are garbage, and then <laughs> right about. Oh man. <laughs> Coltist, right. Coltist <laughs> Chen super chatted, so we're going to switch to their question, which I hope that's the person who draws the Coltist Chan thing on Twitter, because that would be kind of funny. How do you approach a game with a decent but not top player like an X and one guy? Teach, crush, bully. Do you think much about your influence on 40k culture? All three. I don't. Yeah. I definitely don't bully. I definitely just teach. But like, I sorry, like it crush, I guess, but like not. That's not really how I view that. I don't. Oh, this is a complex topic. So I don't think that players that don't play as much are, like, entitled to points. Like, I don't think you get points just for showing up in a game. You get your 10 for paint. You can hold on to those. But, like, I play the game super aggressively. I'm not changing how I play based on my opponent, basically, ever. Um, part of this is because of my background in other stuff. Where, like, if when I was in Muay Thai, if I, like, sparred with a pro, I would expect to basically never land a hit and go home with a black eye. Or, like, when I was playing in WoW, when we, like, were playing threes, and if we played against, like, one of the teams that was going to win the Arena Cup that year, we just, like, didn't even land a stun lock. We just died. So, like, I don't... I think that experience should be similar in 40k, where when you play against one of the, like, pros, or in this case, the literal professionals... It should be like an eye-opening experience to be like, oh, that's what the game is like. Because I think it's it's demeaning to the skill expression in 40k when you get to be like, when you can walk out of a game basically where you played a pro as someone that doesn't play that much and be like, oh, well, I took 70 off him, so it's fine. It's like, oh, he just got lucky on dice. Like, there's, 
there's a lot of like narrative that can come out of that that isn't actually productive for the whole. And I think that you should come away from those games having learned a lot, not scored a lot. Yeah. And sorry, it's worth saying you can crush somebody without holding the score down, just for what it's worth. Like I a little proud, not a lot proud of uh, a couple of my games at LVO where like I literally sat at the scoreboard and was like, right, I'm scoring 97. How do I make sure you never restrict that in any way, shape, or form? And then just never let them do anything that put them to 98. But they scored like my two points scored like a 91 and an 80 because I just like was like, no, you stay there. I'm scoring. I don't give a toss what you do on your side of the board. And oh, I was yeah. like, don't see that doesn't work. But like I've definitely done that with GSE <laughs> where I'm just like, you are, you can, you are going to stay just above water, but you're never ever moving. Yeah. Um, just like choking someone out. I don't know if that's better. Um, I definitely wasn't in a great headspace those two games, um, so I don't know how much how much fun that was. Um, but I've definitely like there's kind of an aspect of it where, at the end of the day, it's a social experience. You're theoretically social contracted in for three hours with this person. Um, it can feel a little crap to like end the game in an hour. I'm gonna give it four or five minutes. I do it anyway because at the end of the day, part of a tournament is the endurance game and. I value me getting an extra half hour, 45 minutes, hour of break, go and get lunch, detox over my opponent's experience. And is that entirely fair? Maybe, maybe not. I also don't think it's fair to hold my opponent hostage in a game where they may or may not having be having fun and may or may not have the slightest chance in hell. So there's a lot of different directions you can take this and it depends on your personal priorities. At the end of the day, for me, these are open tournaments. I can't control who I play against. All I can control is what my experience comes out of it as. I will do my best to give my opponent the most enjoyable experience I can, but I'm not going to take a risk to my own personal end state of the game for my opponent's enjoyment. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Like, we all play those kind of games fairly frequently, and especially in the early rounds of a, of, of a lot of tournaments. Yep. Uh, and it comes down to, I don't pull my punches, but at the same time, this yeah, you know, this also happens when people recognize you. Like I had, a, I had someone who's like I, I use again the example from Twitter where the guy was like, "I'm getting a coaching lesson." I, I I said, "We we will play a full solid game here. You play your heart out. I want you to because I want a challenging game. But at the end of it, I'm more than happy to talk through where you went wrong." And... I'll even like if someone like straight up just like feeds me their army turn one to eight bound for no upside for them. I'm gonna be like, "Hey, bro." Back that shit up a little bit. Yeah. So you don't get like instant murder right now. Like, I'm happy to, like, I'm very chill during the game, but also, like, I'm not going to, like, not, like, if you just put a bunch of shit in charge range, I'm going to kill you. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's only so many times you'd be like, hey, don't do that. If you say, hey, don't do that, and they do it anyway, like, you're going so to. So many it, times right? I've been like, hey, just so you know, this can happen. And then the person's like, nah, it'll be fine. Jeremy probably watched this happen to all of us, where I was like, hey, watch out for this. And person was like, nah, I got it. It'll be all right. And then it just wasn't. They all. didn't have it. All right. Well, that, that, that poor space was playing around one where I was like, everything you put past this line dies this turn if you do this. And he's like, I think it'll be all right. And then everything past that line and a little bit beyond it. Went yeah. We have two so last I questions, and that's it. Knock them out. Uh, Sam has, and Sam has both of the questions. So at the higher level, how much of a matchup is... Apparently there's a question from Evader that we're dodging as well, so I don't know. I'll look for it later. 
at the higher level, how much of a matchup is already predetermined based on army and mission versus how much can be influenced and changed because of player skill? It's another deep question. I think not a lot. It's like a lot asterisk shit happens in games like all the time. So like you need to be very aware of what your outs look like, what their mistakes look like and how dice can influence a and B. And if you don't do that and you just let the game proceed on rails, a lot of a high level game will pivot off of like what the army and mission is. Cause if you're both good and don't make any mistakes, which has literally never happened, I hate when people say like assume my opponent makes no mistakes because that's not real um but you have to be able to see when that happens and if you don't the game will proceed on rails and a lot of those games can feel deterministic but they aren't is that's my take anyway yeah i would say more than anything else terrain will impact that just as much as those two army mission terrain is like a combination yeah. where on some terrain a matchup will feel hopeless and some terrain it will feel completely you know, it will feel completely like automatically winnable um so there's so many variables in 4k that it's safer to just assume that nothing that everything is a little bit closer to even than you think it is um like the worst matchups like the, the worst example i have is like the industrial affinity genes are called versus world leaders right now it's probably the closest thing there is to a hard counter in the current meta and i still don't think that's unwinnable for world leaders it's really goddamn hard but there are things that can go wrong um Anthony, what do you feel about that? Like that general matchup? <laughs> what? Because I would say that's like I don't think so. Like World Eaters versus GSC, I think is the closest to like a rock paper scissors right uh, now. Like the industrial yeah, version. yeah. Like the if I play against the thirty bike build with Adenia's almost terrain agnostic, I haven't played it on GW yet. I'm pretty fucking cooked. Like I can, yeah. especially from a singles perspective. I don't think I'll ever win that matchup in singles. I think I can drag it closer in teams, but like. I think the the problem the problem with very specifically that matchup though is that like now in this context we're talking about like four people we're talking about me playing like you yeah. mice and Eric you know what I mean and like if it's yeah not exactly. me, and it's like you couldn't design a more perfect yeah. like yeah you couldn't design a more perfect matchup yeah um, like it's a twenty four inch range shooting army against a twenty three inch threat range melee army like it was always gonna suck yeah. right. Yep. And there's just not that, and it's like a Transforged Reserve Army that gets to be there and doesn't have to fuck about with your pre image yeah, exactly. like that. Uh, and then it has blips, right? That's the, like the, the extra The blip thing. is the fuck you, like, nail in the coffin. Like, yeah. that matchup's winnable exactly. if blips don't do what they do, but because they do, it's just like, Yeah, Imperial Knights versus Master Rises, Robert Rage has is another example. But there is... Yeah, you can get scammed in that one. You can get scammed in any game. You can just bounce off four ups, right? It is always possible, which means that the result it's always a little closer to the middle than you yeah. think it is. That's that's the, the, the real takeaway from this is that even an unwinnable matchup is still winnable because sometimes your opponent's for, warlock perils and blows up on turn one, failing jinx and you know giving you an oath point, you know things like that. Thanks, bro. And then um, Sam has the second question, which will probably be the last question because Vader doesn't know how to use threads. Um, we're going to put it in next week's you played in a tournament game on the top tables and after the tournament you realized one of your opponents has gotten an army rule wrong that had a moderate impact on the game what do you do did I win or lose Uh, start with did you you lost since that's probably the more 
more like talk to my opponent as an adult and probably live with yeah. it is honestly the answer unless it was like like you know turn five they played a rule wrong that won them the game we gonna we gonna go and have a quick chat and talk about you know reconsidering the score turn one neither of us caught it it had a marginal impact we're probably living with it um there's a very real like how bad was it if i found out my opponent was just like you know playing luck dice and they weren't harlequin pure we're gonna be reversing yeah. the score right just but if like it's that. something but where they that's never gonna where happen. they are making a consistent error that neither of you catch and it is not malicious yeah. it is not intentional it is just lack information and they've never been corrected on it um you have a chat with them afterwards when you find out that they were wrong and be like hey want to let you know about this i'm not looking for anything because it's impossible to, to do intent but if it's one of these things where they played that role correctly every other game that that event and then in that one game they play it wrong to their advantage and you lose we're gonna have a bit of a chat yeah, the real answer is that you should probably talk about with your opponent then to and judge don't go to the two and judge first because you'll come across as an angle recruiting for a yep. win like be an adult in the room about it um like have a conversation figure it out and then always move look on. to resolve it and with then the other player. if you're looking for if you're looking for a resolution that results in something changing you have to involve your opponent first then to mm-hmm. and refs especially if they like get agitated about it or something like that like you gotta you gotta go above if it's like a week after the event, like oh shit, yeah, if it's on. not within like before awards, even like yeah, I'll, I'll be quite honest. I would say event, like for the yeah. events that I run, if you come to me the day after with an issue, I will and and it's a, and it's a, and it's a valid issue. I will talk to the player about it and I will say, hey, this is a warning. Just give you a heads up. Next event you're at, don't fuck this up. Yeah. Um, but, but if it's a week on, I'm not trusting your memory at that point. Well, well also it's one of these things where like most tournaments have the, the score is in. We've we've done prizing, we've done all of that. We're not gonna reverse results, we're not gonna change placings, we're not gonna go open up that can of worms because especially when it comes to well, at what point do you draw that line? A day out, two days out. The only one I out. would accept that one is like if it's like a list issue, then like that can you can go a little later with that stuff. Like if you just like find out on like two days later, guy had an illegal list. We're gonna talk differently, right? This, but this is about play mistakes. Yep. Uh, it's always an ideal always resolution. Is the reality of that? The the resolution here is that you and your opponent can agree on what the actual game state outcome would have been. So, like your opponent plays the Twilight Harlequins pile and consolidation is three extra instead of two extra. Flips a primary, wins the game. You probably talk to the field, get the score reversed, right? Your opponent did it wrong on turn one, and they maybe were five and a half away, maybe were six away. You're like, okay, fine. We we don't know. We didn't check precisely. That's kind of the, I don't know. It, it's always going to be a fuzzy line because it's always based on two people, their intent and understanding of the game, and also their different expectations. And you're, you're off your opposed parties in like what the resolution you're looking for as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a bit of a mess, right? Like... Yeah, it's always and there's no this. like there's not going to be a fit all solution or answer to that question because mistakes exist on a spectrum and there are, can be like really small mistakes like in a set or there can be really big mistakes or even like purposeful misreadings of rules and those can all have different responses. 
I lagged there in a really funny way where it said exists exist on a spectrum lag like Innis flag, <laughs> which was re- real funny. <laughs> Uh, and then Illawuzel, we are none of us of the four of us like on the UTC like management committee to put guidelines into existence. You would have to talk to Goonhammer about that directly. And then Ethan's question uh, was just, "What do I need to do to write an article for Stat Check? I have some neat ideas. Honestly, just you can DM one of us and pitch, pitch the idea, and maybe we will accept it. Maybe we will decline it. Yeah, I think." In theory, that's my department, but yeah. yeah. Shoot us an email. So to address that, I am currently holding off on that until I get below 200 pounds because I am trying to lose weight. That's all. Almost there. 203 this morning. So Hell yeah. Good luck. I do think... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I got (laughs) a lag. Also, while we are like more connected, and I definitely agree that there needs to be some codified penalties in existence. Like I think that's a thing that needs to exist. Yeah, it is. the The challenge always comes down to assigning intent to a mistake. A one off. Exactly. Just damn them all. Yeah, sure. You can damn them all if you want. TJ on the ass. I, w- I will say that, like, in sport, like, intent is something that is, like, taken into account some of the time. Like, you can try to gauge whether somebody's trying to injure somebody or not with a play. And that probably just means that penalties need to scale. So, like, but, like, a first kind of mistake. That's, like, the equivalent of a minor penalty for something in hockey. And that's, like, a yellow card in 40K. And then somebody does something obviously with intent to cheat, then they get like the equivalent of a game misconduct. Maybe that's a red card. Maybe that's a suspension from competitive events. Yeah. But, and I'm like for that, like a lot of things in 40 K need to be codified better because there's a lot of like in between things where 40 K is both a competitive game, but also like a beer and pretzels game that exists in people's garages. Yeah. And we got to stop taking questions here. Cause we're, I'm not answering that question. We're not answering any more questions. I'm going to end the episode, as a matter of fact. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. It's over two and a half hours long of content. There's a lot there. Thank you for the 46. 46- I'm sorry for winning a super major. I won't do it again. That's not why it took so long, Innis, and don't you even try to it say that. It kind of is. Um, we spent a 40-minute like segment going over my three yeah, That's games amazing. That that's amazing content. I know, but it's just why it was a two and a half, 40-minute episode. Because we didn't like take content out Just hit that. the button. Do the plug. Oh, fine. Go to Patreon. You can spend $5 a month and you can get access to all of our bonus content into the Discord, which is a creative, like a really amazing place where it's chaotic and comforting. Um, you can read the live reactions to my games yeah. and to my game with David in real time as everybody writes me off on turn one. You can join in on fun TTS extravaganzas like we're going to do a 10th tournament eventually over TTS once the rules are released. You get access to all of our bonus content in advance, and you can watch Innis fondle his trophy in like various forms, I guess, possibly. Um, otherwise, drop us a like, a trophy a comment, and a subscription. But most of all, please tell a friend about our content and have them come check it out. We would love for you to do that for us. I hope you all have a wonderful evening. This has been Statue. Also, we offer coaching. You should check that out, please. Yes. Send us an email. Get on the coaching train. Let Innis help you be the winnest. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com.